0: absolutely insane those damn uh those damn sharks (laughs) um and they're dead and they're dead and i wouldn't go anywhere near them
1: Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 122. This is a themed episode called Shark Attack. On horror movie podcast here, what you get is end-up horror movie reviews, especially for new releases. We give you ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are...
0: Dave, Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA.
1: And Wolfman,
2: Josh, and guys. We're going to need a bigger boat.
1: <laughs> That's for sure. Oh my goodness! I'm so excited to be here on this Shark episode, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in and joining us. First things first, Doctor Shock, We're glad that you're okay. We got a yes. um, we got a, a disturbing text this afternoon, didn't we, Josh? Uh, Dave, why don't you tell him what happened?
0: Well, it, it's you know they, they were calling for bad storms here. It's the heat has been unbearable. It was it was 97 degrees here today, and it felt like uh, just like it felt like into the low 100s. Um, and they knew. I knew that a front was coming in, and they said there were going to be some bad storms this afternoon. Well, all of a sudden, uh, we're sitting here, and are we get that emergency alarm on the TV? You know that that noise.
1: Oh yeah, like and eh.
0: yes, exactly. And <laughs> yes. all of our phones, all of our phones, go off at Ooh. the same time with a message. Uh oh. And it's basically saying tornado warning. You know, to take shelter immediately. So we would go down in the basement and we're huddling down there. And apparently, yeah, in this area, they were they, they were calling it a tornado warning. It wasn't even a watch. They were calling it a tornado warning.
1: Dave's like, the hell um, at this. I'm not going to the basement. I got a blog to post. <laughs> yes, exactly, right.
0: <laughs> well, fortunately, I got that done a little bit. I was able to get it done after. Oh, okay, I was a little good. nervous about that. because You never know if it's going to knock out power or, right. you know, what what it is. Um, uh, but as we were sitting down there, I mean, we could hear the storm going outside and everything, but it was, uh, you know, it, and, and then eventually they, they, they kind of canceled it. They, they moved it more to the, to the, uh, east of us. Um, so I mm-hmm. ran upstairs and I went outside. I wanted to see what the storm looked like. I do love, uh, summer storms, mm-hmm. you know, where the, where the lightning moves in and everything. I really do. I love sitting out there and watching them. Yes. Oddly enough, the heat didn't break at all. I mean, it was still freaking muggy when I went outside. And it proved to be kind of a disappointing storm by the time I got out there. It had moved past us. So turned out to be a bunch of nothing. But it just kind of gets you when all the alarms go off at once. You yeah. know?
1: Seriously. Yeah, that's uh, freaky. Uh, it reminds me of like the Amber right, Alerts. Yeah. That happens for those too.
0: Yes. Uh, but,
1: yes. But um, Dave, so one of my lifelong dreams is to actually witness a tornado from a distance, like from right. you know a couple of miles away. I would like to see one, but not actually be in the path of it. And so, if well,
0: we, I, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> tell you, one of my dreams. I would love to ride along with the storm chasers. Oh yeah, where they go, sure. where they go after those, you know, like uh, uh like in Twister and <laughs> and. and, and I would love to just ride along with with one of them and just go after these things. <laughs> um, I don't know that I want to jump into the middle of them or anything like that, but uh, safest in the middle. Things, yeah, right. It's <laughs> <That's> true. Yeah, <laughs> and it's one of those things now where I'm sitting here that I'd love to do it, and I'm sure if I'm in a situation where I'm in a truck barreling towards a tornado, I'm I, I might uh, have a change of heart, but. Um, just sitting here now, it's like yeah, I would really, I would really love to, love to be part of something like that.
1: Anybody I know who's ever had any close calls or have heard, has heard a tornado coming in person, they, they all describe it the same way, and that's like a train coming, and yes, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine that. That's so freaky. So listeners, if you have had a harrowing real life horror type experience that you're comfortable sharing with us, let us know about seeing tornadoes or. Experiencing this, but we're glad you're okay, Dave. I had something. Thank you. I had something even more harrowing, though. Not trying to one up your story, but um, here's what here's what happened. <laughs> it,
0: my my story ended up being a bunch of nothing. So
1: okay, well, <laughs> I don't know. Even if even if it had been a, a tornado by your house, this this would be comparable, I think. Oh wow! So I was at the the library with my son yesterday. And um, he made me prowl. He's nine years old. He loves the macabre. He he picked up the, the DVD for Poltergeist, you know, cool. and it's got her on the cover with her hands up mm-hmm. against the TV screen. And he's like, Dad, can I rent this? And I'm like, heck yeah, it's rated PG. Check, check, you know. <laughs> but I, I, did, I did. I told him, guys, just to be fair, way thinks I'm a terrible father. I said... That movie is really scary. It'll be the scariest movie you've seen so far. And then he started asking me, well, is it scarier than Goosebumps? Is it scarier than this? And and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And he's like, well, he's like, well, I'm going to do it then. That that was his attitude. And, <laughs> and, and, and I was so proud, right? Because he's dead serious about horror movies. Well, right. for a little boy, at least. Well, my wife <laughs> sees that he has it, right? Right. And she's like, no, no, because she's anti-horror in the first place. And, and she ixnays Poltergeist <laughs> and instead, you, like, talks him into Twilight. So, he, my son ended oh. up with, with Twilight... <sighs> because she's like this is
3: far
2: more damaging to the child's psyche (laughs) thank
1: you (laughs) josh i love you thank you i totally agree i'm like that is a terrible idea and and she sold it to me she's like well it has has vampires and werewolves and of course like he was all about it and i'm like oh hell anyway so that was an awful experience and i lost big time on that
0: well i had a little yours is yours is definitely worse
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yours is worse I had a minor real life horror. Like it was more like a, it was a real life drama with thriller elements, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but uh, I'm going to save most of it for when we get to our home invasion episode. Cause I have more to say about it, but basically on the 4th of July, We were up. We decided, hey, let's go up because the big celebration was actually on that Saturday, right, which Mm was the first of July, which is when they have the major fireworks show. But on the fourth of July, still everyone around town were shooting off their illegal fireworks all over the place. So there's a a little mountain near my house. So we oftentimes hike up there. It's called Rock Canyon and watch. The sunset right there. It's a great spot. And so we thought, hey, let's go up there and watch the fireworks. I bet we could see the full cityscape and see all the ones that are shooting up above the the tree line. So we went up there and and, uh, had a nice time. And then we walked down to the car, my wife and I, and our, our car window had been smashed and her purse had been stolen off the seat. And it just took like a hundred hours of calling credit card companies and canceling oh. credit cards. We had to go get our car yeah. key reprogrammed. I had to change all the locks in the house because our house key was on there. And, um, but the crazy thing is that night I had some insane um, home invasion dreams because the oh. police officer had told us all these stories about how this is kind of common right now in our City and what's going on and and I'll talk more about that some other time but I had some really intense home invasion dreams and I thought man we need to do a home invasion episode really soon
0: Uh, yes
1: (laughs) let's do that because yeah definitely few things in the world are scarier than that honestly in terms of real life horror I mean that's
0: uh, when you're
2: going like oh these guys have her driver's license so they know where we live they have our car key they've got our house key and you're just like the sun's going down and i'm like i guess i've got to change all the locks on the house you know like mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: they know her uh, height weight eye color <laughs> wow right whether or not she's a donor yeah exactly <laughs> that's terrible oh well i'm sorry that, that happened to you you guys don't deserve that uh for listeners out there uh wolfman josh and his family they're very sweet people and they're great contributors to the community. So that is a a true tragedy when something happens like that, that people like them.
0: That's a, that's a shame. And then, you know, I'm all, I always worry about that. Um, and then you just, you know, I always get into arguments with my wife sometimes because Mm -hmm. she will insist on hiding everything in the car. And I think she's being ridiculous. I'm like, Oh, come Mm -hmm. on. You don't got to do that. And then you're, then you hear something like that. And you're like, Oh, well, maybe, maybe we have, to. maybe not a bad idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a bad idea.
1: Absolutely. Well, um it, so it, at the time we're recording this here, um well, in more to the point, it, not due to this recording schedule because, <laughs> because we're actually going to be releasing some episodes pretty close together, um and it's my fault, but because of my editing schedule, we want to make sure you didn't miss the release of uh, Horror Movie Podcast episode 121 because that was going to that was a very close back-to-back release. Again, yeah. apologies. Uh, but that's ha-
2: the point in the show where we would normally be responding to all the backlash from episode 121. <laughs> yes. <But since laughs> it hasn't been released yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, exactly. Thank right. you, Wolfman. That is exactly why I brought that up because I wanted to say the only reason that Wolfman Josh and Dr. Shock are not yelling at me right now and making fun of me is because they haven't even heard that mess yet. <laughs> but. Uh, but but uh, don't worry. I mean that's all coming. So we will be uh, addressing the backlash at, at very soon. I'm sure. But anyway, I I also didn't <laughs> want you to miss uh, Josh's feature review of the girl with all the gifts and uh, Doc's review of My Little Eye. So we got some good horror reviews. And of course, I have my uh, Trojan horses at the gates of horror uh, spiel. Which, um, manifesto yeah a manifesto in fact <laughs> thats that's right uh one last little note on that uh, before all the all the heat comes from it I was actually editing it last night at like 4 a.m in the morning uh, because it's kind of long and I it occurred either I was really tired or I judged correctly and I'm like I just sound like a raving lunatic people are gonna think I'm nuts <laughs> and and I'm serious I was a little I'm being 100% genuine, uh, guys. I was like, they're just going to think I've lost it, lost my mind. So, anyways,
0: wow.
3: I,
1: I hope that if you haven't heard that, you will subject yourself or read the accompanying blog, which is the same coverage of material.
2: Here's the thing, Dave and I have no idea what this is about, and so I'm, yeah. I'm excited to just hear what, what it is. Because the way Jay yeah. presented it to us, he sent us like a little text, like, "Hey guys, Joe's going to be a little bit late, cause, but I'm working on some a fun little surprise for you." And then <laughs> via social media, I see like Jay's got some big manifesto he's presenting, and all some of the listeners wow. are already responding in fear. I saw Sal Roma and, yes. and Juan just going, "Oh no." I know,
1: I know. One was particularly smart, Elikey, which I, I appreciate. I, I had to laugh because he was like, "Oh, I'm scared," you know. Anyways, um, the, the blog though, just to get your reaction fresh on this, and I'm sorry, we're not going to talk about this much longer. Um, the blog itself is three thousand one hundred words, <laughs> and I knew that. Holy cow! i knew that no one would read that so that's why i did the audio version as well (laughs) and
0: that's like that's like half of one of your emails
1: (laughs) (laughs) touche dr shock that was good that was one of the you blew me up right there okay anyways moving on so the agenda for this show episode 122 this is one of our themed episodes We're very proud of our themed episodes. We either do Frankensteinian stuff where it's just a hodgepodge of weirdness and lots of random reviews, or we we stick to some kind of horror-related theme. This week, it's Shark Attack Volume 1. If this goes over well and you enjoy it, then maybe next summer we'll bring you Shark Attack Volume 2. We'll see. (laughs) But anyways, uh, we want you to know that because we are planning to maybe get a couple of these in that this isn't going to be completely exhaustive, okay? So we're we're leaving some room. We know that we're not going to be covering every single shark movie because you guys will be like, hey, you forget about this, you forget about this. So if you do want us to cover something in the future, then feel free to let us know in the comments. But I'm really excited about that theme. But Wolfman Josh, I want to turn it over to you, sir, because I believe you have a nice little introduction here.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, people might think this is kind of an odd week to be covering <laughs> sharks as forty seven meters down came out a couple weeks ago. and then you've got you know, cage dive coming out in a few weeks from now and and uh, shark week is next week. And so what? why is this? what Why this timing? And the reasoning <laughs> in my mind was I wanted to kind of give a, a precursor to Shark Week to announce and let people know all of the awesome things going on during Shark Week. I didn't want people to hear this after Shark Week and then miss out on all the awesomeness that is Shark Week. So I, I kind of wanted to have this come out beforehand. And Shark Week officially begins on July 23rd, 7 p.m. tune into the Discovery Channel. It's <laughs> so, so, so one of my favorite things all year. It's uh, from July 23rd to July 30th. Awesome shark content all week long. This year, the kind of highlight, they always have some little gimmicky thing. This year, the highlight is Michael Phelps, who people will, he's like the most decorated Olympian of all time. Mm -hmm. He's going to be racing a shark um, in the water. So I'm looking forward to that. Michael Phelps versus a shark. Wow. The great gold versus the great white as they're calling it. (laughs) So I think that's amazing. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to let people know about is that in theaters the week before on July 18th, there is going to be a special kind of Fathom events thing in theaters where they're showing the best of Shark Week 2016 and the best of Shark Week 2017 um in theaters the week before it starts so you can do a special fathom events thing go check that out in the movies it's an hour and 30 minutes long and it's just going to be a compilation of some of the best programming from shark week 2016 and 2017 nice all together in one hour and a half
0: clip
1: i I am going to that
0: i'm
1: (laughs) telling i'm telling (laughs) you right now i'm going to that that's on a tuesday night apparently
0: that's tempting
1: i'm taking my son
2: In theaters, yeah, you can find that at fathomevents.com slash events slash Shark Week 2017. It's on there. You'll find it. Uh, Really excited about that. It's called Shark Week at the Movies, so that should be a lot of fun. Oh,
0: nice. (laughs) And,
2: um, yeah, and we will post in the links, uh, the comments for this show, all of the Uh, schedule for Shark Week on Discovery Channel. It's just one of my favorite times of the year. Mm -hmm. I just think it's something fun. So that's why we're doing it now. And, you know, I wish that we could have reviews for all of this year's Shark movies, but we already did one, and the other one's not out yet. And so that is what it is but that's, that's why, right. Hey, we were part one we got part two coming still so <laughs> that's right <laughs> and if people have missed some of our other awesome shark coverage recently they can go back and we will be talking about recent up you know about this time last year was it i don't know not too long ago reviews of the shallows mm-hmm. um one of my favorite oh. episodes of all time is our horror on the fourth of july episode where we reviewed jaws yes and uh um, oh. yeah and jay talked about some of those as well when he did his 47 meters deep reviews, but that's what we're doing tonight.
1: Yeah. It's going to be fun. And one of the things I'm actually looking forward to most in this, and I'm glad that uh, you were okay with kind of putting it up front, Josh, is I believe you have uh, an incredible campfire tale for us that is shark related.
2: Yeah. This comes from a good friend of mine. As with most of my friends, uh, this guy is a horror fan He's kind of a pro-am filmmaker, and he's a really cool guy. He lives in Hawaii, and let's go ahead and listen to this campfire tale from Keone Bothorp. At this point in the show, we are joined by Keone Bothorp. How's it going?
4: Hey, how's it? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, Keone is a professional filmmaker, former professional musician. He is living the dream Living in Hawaii, shooting surfing video and stuff like that, uh, but had a pretty intense encounter with a shark. And so rather than having me tell the story, I'd love to hear you tell the story. Just let us know what transpired.
4: So basically a little bit of waste from my house is a spot called Leftovers. It's on the North Shore of uh, Oahu. I used a paddleboard, like a stand-up paddleboard that day. It's, it's made for surfing, though. It's made for surfing bigger waves, but... You know, I'd been out for a long time, so I, you know, I started heading back towards my house, back home, and as I was heading across this channel, there's a channel at Leftovers where uh, the water gets really deep in between the two surf breaks, and I was passing over that, and uh, I thought I heard one of this surfer, one of the only guys left in the water, I thought I heard him say something, so I turned around and uh, saw him go underwater. I saw him get pulled down and I was about 150 yards away at this point, so quite far. Yeah. The first visual I had of it was not very good. I knew what happened. It's, you know, there's only one thing that, that could be. You know, I motored over there as quickly as I could, and it was, I don't know, about 50, 75 yards off where I saw the you know, dorsal fin and the, the tail fin kind of break the surface. And uh, you know, immediately, you know, even from that far away, knew that this thing was bigger than anything I'd dealt with before. You know the surfer. Uh, I had seen him around. I didn't know him before this day, but uh, his name is Colin, so I can refer to him as that. I could see that his leg was gone from pretty far off. The shark had taken his leg above his knee, but he was still attached. Like uh, if you're familiar with surfing, you have a you have a leash attached to your ankle, right? And that that in turn is attached to the surfboard. So, since the shark had taken his leg at the knee, and he was on his board, the shark was like thrashing him around as i was approaching him by his leg that had been severed but that the leash had not been severed yet and so it's crazy you know, yeah the shark is just like you know ripping him around in the water and, and you know from the shark's perspective you know he kind of got caught and he didn't understand what was tying him up
2: right. you know yeah it's almost so, like he like someone was fishing for him but not yeah
4: yeah exactly astute observation i think that's exactly what it kind of thought it was like so finally at one point it kind of uh you know the thrashing stopped i could tell that it was able to get out and away from where we were and it kind of turned and you know darted straight in at us and uh you know in a situation like that your body kind of takes over i think and and uh you know it's it's all kind of i think lizard brain animal instincts and You're not really responsible for what you're doing at that point. And and all I could think to do is I just like, you know, I took my paddle and I was like, I'm going to hit this thing in the nose as hard as I can. And I'm just going to keep hitting it as hard as I can, right? Well, the funny thing about how people say that you're going to hit a shark in the nose is nobody talks about how, you know, freaking fast these things are and, (laughs) and power. And so, you know, you... Your odds of hitting it in the nose if you're not attached to it already, you know, which Colin was able to do that, and that's how he, you know, was able to separate himself, you know, from the shark in the first place. But, um, you know, unfortunately, losing his leg. But, you know, I hit this thing somewhere, freaking, you know, in between his, you know, nose and his dorsal fin, yeah. and I pushed it down basically in the water underneath us. And I remember looking down and just thinking, my board that day is like. About eight and a half foot, you know. I was looking straight down at it, and I just kept thinking, "Man, this shark just kept passing the board." Like, yeah, you know, it was just like, okay, there was the nose, and then you know, it seemed like seven minutes later, there's the dorsal fin, and then another seven minutes. You know, the yeah. thing was, <laughs> it was so, it was so much larger. And you know, the firefighters out here, they have, they have choppers, they have helicopters, and they were, they were in the area, and they were like, oh, you know, that shark that was in that area you know at that same time that was like 14 plus uh, foot shark. but the thing that people never talk about is that if a shark is that long is the um i don't know if you want to say like the girth of it yeah if they're 14 foot long you know that sucker is just so big around and um it looks like a Volkswagen or something it's it's so if you watch a lot of shark shows like i do They're always kind of. I try not to.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're always kind of over, you know, the bigger the shark, the better, right? So if they talk about a 14 foot shark, they're talking about it as a small shark usually. But your board absolutely puts in perspective because knowing how long an eight foot board is, knowing how even wide it is, and knowing that you can see that under you and it's bigger than you, for some reason that. Just for the first time in my life, really put in perspective how big a 14-foot shark would be—as shockingly big. I mean, okay. that is terrifying. I mean, that's a big animal. So you so, hit it with—you hit it with your
4: paddle, right? And I try to do this thing. It's like—it's common practice for surfers to kind of like, if somebody gets in trouble, you toss to them on your leash, and then you can tow them in behind you. Right. And so I threw him the leash, and it was. It's hard to explain, but I thought he missed, right? I, I tossed it to him, you know, this is a very common thing. I tossed it to him and he missed. And and I remember thinking in my mind, I'm like, man, we can't afford that right now. We can't afford. And uh, I remember him saying, oh, please come back around, please come back around. And it was like, I I tried to um, try to do it again. And I feel like, I feel like he missed again. And it wasn't until later that we realized that you know in trying to separate himself from the shark that he lost some fingers and so he wasn't able to grab anything and he said he didn't even know that his fingers are gone kind of thing yeah none of us you know we we hadn't noticed and
2: dude i mean to have lost your leg which again is a is a big part of your body it's not a little thing you can imagine that you might not notice your fingers having
4: Exactly. Lost your leg.
2: That's, a, that's a, it's insane.
4: It wasn't easily discernible where all of the blood was coming from. You have major, major arteries in your, especially in your legs and things like that, and your heart's doing its job. And so his face was like white, like a piece of paper, and which is something I've never experienced before. And I remember thinking, oh man, this is big trouble. This is like a very grave situation. And oddly calm is how I would describe him. He was even trying to, you know, swim toward me and you know, he'd gotten back on his board, but his face was toward the um, the stomp, like the kick pad at the back, uh, because he'd gotten on his board backwards, you know, in a scramble to get up and off the board. But so after I tried to deflect this shark, I hit it a couple of times, you know, almost immediately, though, I would say. And all these things are happening very fast, right? You're talking about living life 12 seconds at a time, which is about how long it takes a tiger shark, a big tiger shark to turn around. So they're built for power and not agility so you're living your life 12, 12 seconds at a time you know if you can make it miss you have 12 seconds but and, and you know that was successful at first and, and then you know Colin said this thing to me you know and I'll, I'll never forget it he said hey he said I'm I'm not going to make it just tell my family that I love them you know and you know things get really uh, you know things get very real at that point and I said okay well I can't just sit here and keep living life in 12 second intervals we don't have that time and so basically I hit it one more time as it came in and uh said a little prayer and you know tossed my paddle I pulled Colin onto my back so I was just regular prone paddling like how you regular surf you know Yeah. Uh, on my stomach I pulled him onto my back and just started swimming for shore as quickly as possible and I think the estimate is anywhere in between like 150 or 200 yards to shore um but the current that day was really was really cranking a certain way as well, which made it difficult. Yeah. And I remember the board that I was on is obviously, you know, the boards are made for one person. Thank heavens it was a stand-up paddle, you know, so it had a little more volume and a little more float. But with him on my back, I was still underwater and he was on my back, you know, thankfully because I think, I honestly think that if we'd done the thing where uh, he had my leash and I tried to pull him in, he passed out several times on the way in. And so he would have just fallen off, you know, and I think the story would have been very different. But basically, you know, the shark would pass me as I was trying to paddle. um, It would pass me on my right and pass and go in front of us and pass and go behind us and circle us and these things. And, you know, I knew that I'd thrown away that the paddle, which is the only thing that maybe, you know, would give it pause to, I was doing a, as hard of a paddle as I could. And I, you know, my hand brushed it, you know, my hand brushed a shark that was passing under us. And, but I think the scariest part was just like all the water that it would displace and just the power of this giant animal. And, um, you know, humans like to think of themselves as top of the food chain, which, which we are, you know, we're doing a lot of awful things to sharks, which we can talk about later, but um, you know, in that moment in their in their environment, you feel your place in the animal world real fast. So, I mean, long story short, you know, I, I was getting super, super tired. I, I crossed maybe like 100 yards of the 200 and I kept looking over my shoulder and seeing this thing, you know, over my right shoulder. I looked back over my shoulder and I saw the set waves come and I thought, oh man, if one of these things hits us, it's probably going to be curtains because he's going to get separated from the board which is the only thing keeping him afloat right now and yeah and yeah it followed us for about like i said i think it was about 100 yards before the waves hit the first wave went past us and the second one i thought this thing's gonna nail us and i just i paddled as hard as i could and i was actually able to by a miracle catch this wave it's insane but um you know, unbeknownst to me, I thought when I caught this wave, my wishful thinking told me that I had put some space in between us and this shark, and I kept looking over my right shoulder and I didn't see anything. And I, uh, one of the, you know, one of the snaps, one of the photos that has gone around the internet that you can see is like, it's me, and I'm calling, I'm pulling him back up onto my back, I'm looking over my right shoulder to look for this shark. It's funny because I remember thinking, "Okay, good, we're like we're home free." It gave up, and in the front of us, there's this big splash of the shark, you know, uh, thrashing. Uh, so, which I had, you know, thankfully, blessedly, had no clue that it was trying to block us off from the land. It didn't want to. It didn't want to lose that. To make the last part short, we we're able to get them to shore. You know, we we're very lucky there's an off-duty firefighter that was on shore and um, tied a tourniquet around his leg. We you know, put him on my board and made a makeshift stretcher, pulled him up through the jungle and onto Kamehameha Highway and waited for the ambulance there.
1: That is insane,
2: now. Do you remember the moment when you decided to go toward him instead of get away from that situation? And do you remember that choice? Or did it, no. what did it feel like to you?
4: It wasn't really a choice for me, I think. If you were there, Josh, and you saw what I saw, I think you'd, you'd go over there and, and do what you could to, to help this guy out, too. You
2: know what? I really I want to believe that, but there's <laughs> not... You don't know until you're tested, really, and I think that's incredible that you've had that opportunity to be tested and that you did the right thing or did the brave thing, did the selfless thing. It's a... Uh, it's incredible to me and I and I don't you know I probably no one ever wants to be put in that situation when they're tested but there's something about you having done that that uh, is inspirational I think so
4: oh thanks man yeah I, I do appreciate it I I value you know I definitely value the experience for sure I don't recommend it <laughs> right
2: so let me ask you this. At the time that this happened, you were filming a documentary, and I remember talking to you before, you know, about kind of like shark conservation. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but
4: Yeah. No, that's exactly right.
2: And I wonder how this impacted your feelings about sharks and what how you feel about that now kind of yeah. on the other side of that
4: experience. It's a fair question. I I value the ocean and I know that how important they are to the ocean ecosystem. And so, so I've always been, you know, afraid of sharks. You know, I don't, I've never seen the movie Jaws because I don't want to do that to my own brain. And <laughs> I've always been a little <laughs> bit like respectful of sharks and my place in the ecosystem. And so my desire to conserve them did not change in any way. I would say it's okay to be afraid of them, but just know that we need them. They're, pulling out of the ocean millions and millions and millions of of sharks per per year and uh you know if you take out if you take out that domino you know there's going to be a big big effect it's okay to be afraid of an apex predator you should be
2: awesome that was so good thank you yeah buddy hey man where Should people search you out online if they want to get in touch or hire you or support what you're doing? You
4: can find me on uh, Vimeo. There's also things that um, are very simple that you can do, you know, if you're in the water um, that that you cannot do that will, you know, kind of take the target off of your back that I I think if more people knew, gosh, it would feel way better, you know, way better about sharks, even just simple things like keeping eye contact um you know a shark is a shark is not going to attack in most cases uh you know there's some species there's a species that i i still won't get in the water with uh without a cage for sure because they're just too unpredictable and, and and willing to expend energy but um you know there's just things that you can do to make yourself safe and uh and gosh, I wish more people knew about him. I think that they. I, I think that you know we could have more people enjoying, you know, the ocean and and uh, you know, grounding themselves in the ocean.
2: So that was Keone Bothorp. and <laughs> what he didn't tell you is that Keone was the recipient of the Carnegie Hero Award because of
1: obviously. What he did. I mean, yeah. right? I mean, that's what's, crazy. What's more heroic than that? That's incredible. Yeah, he
2: was. He was honored with the Carnegie Medal for hero ship uh, by the governor of Hawaii and uh, pretty awesome. And we'll put some photos of Keone and, and the guy that he rescued and, and all that stuff in the show notes as well. Nice.
1: <laughs> That's super cool. I'm, I'm genuinely impressed. I, ooh. well, actually, I mean that, <laughs> that, that leads perfectly into what I wanted to talk about here for our little theme discussion about shark attacks and horror. And I mean, I was at the beach just a couple of weeks ago on vacation at the Pacific ocean and it's not necessarily like, you know, infamous for shark attacks, but hey, I believe there are probably sharks there, right? I mean, they're everywhere pretty much. I know that yeah. a lot of the shark attacks happen off of like Australia and stuff, but still when you're in that water and it comes in, I, I actually, I heard a statistic, I I think it's true that... that um, what is it like 90 percent of shark attacks happen in like three feet of water or something it's really shallow sure it-
2: well one one thing yeah. i learned from one of the films that i watched this week for the show is that you really don't know unless you're unless you really study the history of the place that you're swimming you really you could be walking into one of the most dangerous places on earth you just you just don't know you really should find out the beach you shouldn't just uh, go into the water anywhere you should really look at the history of that beach because there are oftentimes environmental elements that are causing increased shark attacks in certain areas whether it's migration patterns or the food that's available in those areas or the warmth of the water and you really should be aware of that uh, other places are perfectly safe but there are certain spots where there's high concentrations of sharks you know under the golden gate bridge is one of the highest concentrations of great white sharks oh wow anywhere around um you're one of the places
4: no
3: (laughs) oh
1: jeez, that's horrifying okay yeah that is i
2: never i never would have
1: guessed that no i wouldn't have either
2: yeah i mean i I watch this show shark men and it's on netflix now but i own the dvds And, uh, <laughs> and it's something that i think i initially seen on shark Week. those are the guys who you remember jay i think it was last year when we talked about sharks um uh, maybe during your shallows review you had talked about deep blue the big oh. giant <laughs> shark the the largest shark ever filmed yes um, the estimated it was 50 years old and 20 feet long and just gigantic yes um those guys, the guys who filmed that are the guys on the show shark men. So they're what they do is somewhat controversial, but they tag sharks. And what they do is they actually fish for the sharks. Um, They, you know, put out bait, reel them in safely for the animals, bring them onto like a dry dock on the side of their boat, tag the fin, and then lower them back in the water and let them swim away. And by doing that, they can track the migration patterns of the of these sharks. And so they, because of what these guys have done, we've learned a ton about sharks that was previously unknown. But, um, yeah, if you want to find out where they're swimming, you can just kind of go over to their website and check it
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: maybe, yeah, maybe,
1: I should have done that because I had, uh, you know, two little kids – and that was the other thing I was worried about. I'm like, man, they are perfect shark bait, you know, just bite size, like right. little, you know. And it, it is this, and and I think that's why this is such a great um, horror subgenre because obviously Jaws made it what it is. I mean, and we've we've talked about Jaws before in previous episodes, but right, but that made it like it's so scary to people. But it is this universal fear, and maybe I. The thing is, I, I wish I could ask somebody. Um, Before Jaws came out, you know, before Jaws was the thing, or before they read like uh, the Peter Benchley novel, I would like to ask if there was that same inherent deep fear because the whole time at the ocean, anytime I was out in the water, I was looking around and worried about getting just nailed by one because even if they don't like swallow you whole and even if they're not gigantic sharks like Jaws, right, which is probably unlikely that they'd be that big, um, if they take a huge chunk out of your leg, you probably bleed to death, right? I mean, it's extremely well, you, dangerous. You
0: could. I mean, depending on how far out you are. I mean, I. It's definitely changed. You know, me. Uh, I love going out on the water. I love, when I'm down at the beach. I love going out in the water, and it's changed. And I've taught my sons the same thing. Um, you know, it changed. I used to like to. Well, no, not really. I mean, I would. What it is, I go out in the water, but I make sure that there's always people around me. Either in front of me and on both sides of me, so that I, if I see one of them go down, I can get the hell out of it. And it's jaws that has made me, you know, has given me that that fear. I mean, otherwise, I'd, I think I'd love to go out as as, as deep as I could, but I don't dare because this is especially in 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 the Jersey Shore, you can't see anything in that water. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you don't you can't even see you can't even see your own feet. So you don't know, and, and uh, you don't know what's down there. And they could be swimming right by you, and you'd have no idea.
2: It, it is. According to ISAF, which is the International Shark Attack File, between the years of 1958 and 2016, there were 2,899 confirmed unprovoked shark attacks around the world, of which 548 were fatal. So the minority are fatal.
1: Oh okay but that's still
2: good. more th- more than you'd want
0: <laughs> I think I read I read right? somewhere that that sharks don't like the way we taste so when hmm. they bite us they kind of spit us out it just depends on where that first bite lands
1: they do i give guess as pretty, to whether it's
0: going to be fatal or not pretty low There's,
1: restaurant reviews of people <laughs> yeah. well,
2: speaking of restaurants i mean we kill far more sharks than kill humans every year so i'm
0: sure
3: yeah. if we're
2: if we're talking about apex predators humans are killing many more just,
0: sharks isn't it just for the fin? Yeah,
2: and which is tasteless. And so you actually can't even taste the fin. So wow. it's really something that uh, is just kind of a high society thing. That That's insane. Doesn't, doesn't really make sense. But yeah, I think if, uh, the statistic I'm reading here says fewer than 20 people are killed per year from shark attacks. So, you know, if we're talking about things that are killing people. We should stop smoking, stop you know flying, stop driving before we're stop texting <laughs> while we're driving before we're too worried about sharks. But nevertheless, yeah, well, the, the horror element of it is pretty scary. And great white sharks, which are by far the scariest looking sharks, are responsible for the most human attacks. So, oh uh, uh, yeah, we've got great whites, tigers, and bull sharks, which are the most responsible for attacking humans. And I think probably blue sharks after that. But.
3: mm-hmm.
1: Well, Dave, so going back to Dave's strategy there, I, I heard you say that just recently in another episode, Dave. And the thing is, um, here's, I got a question for you about your strategy. So yeah. it, just because there are people farther out than you or people around you, That doesn't protect it from necessarily being you. Like, what if you're the one? No,
0: it it, it doesn't. It doesn't protect me necessarily. It could pass them. It could come straight for me. I'm working on the assumption that they don't know I am there and they're not looking to eat me personally. (laughs) So I'm working on the assumption that they will just bite whatever is nearby. And if there's somebody in front of me and if there are people to the left or right of me, I will assume that they will... If I see them say, hey, what was that? Whoa. And then they go down. Yeah. I'll know something's going on and it gives me enough time to to get out. But Uh, no, you're right. I mean, it doesn't necessarily (laughs) save me. It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't look at it as a a foolproof plan. Okay. But uh, it's the best I got.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's why I had kids. So they'd eat the kids instead and. I can get out. out. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I haven't actually met Doctor Shock in person. One of these days, I will. But I have to say, by your voice, at least, you sound, you sound somewhat tasty, Dave.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. So that's well. I have no idea how to respond to that. That's a hard no idea how to respond, respond to, that to that. whatsoever.
1: That is my favorite thing to do: is to say kind of half weird, half creepy things to Dave, and then listen to what he says and respond. It is like my favorite pastime.
0: I got I got nothing. Something will hit me at two a.m. probably, but I got nothing right
1: now. <laughs> Which is probably in like ten minutes from now on Eastern time. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well. It, So, shark movies, we should probably also mention that shark attack movies are beastly freaks films as well. And what's interesting about it is because of the nature of a shark movie, because most shark movies, let's say, I can't say all, (laughs) but most take place in the water. There are recent examples that... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes I can't even believe the things I have to qualify, but uh, yeah. Yeah, So, right. (laughs) right. But, but anyways, most of them take place in the water. So they are a little bit different sort of a beastly freak movie because oftentimes like in a beastly freak film, um, which for people who don't know, that's basically a creature feature. It's, it's some kind of either alien or beast or mutated thing, or it could be a natural animal like a bear or a shark that just kills people. And I think what's cool is a lot of times in a beastly freak film, it ends up being a siege narrative as well. Well, I I guess in in a sense since people are either stuck on a boat or on a buoy or on a little island or whatever it is, I guess it it does have like a siege narrative aspect as well in shark movies. But what do you guys think of that? Do you think it would be difficult I mean, setting the water filmmaking aside, do you think it would be difficult to write a shark attack movie script?
2: You know, I was thinking about that as I watched some of the movies I watched this week. I thought, Yeah, <laughs> this is some bad writing. And then I thought, you know, it's actually very challenging um, because, you know, ma- most movies have the problem of lacking tension. Mm-hmm. and that A lot of shark movies are built solely on tension, probably largely thanks to Jaws. And so it is a weird balance, and there's n- there aren't a lot of different directions you can go with it. So if you are a lover of shark movies, and your only outlet is shark movies that take place in the water, you can see why there might start being sharks and tornadoes and avalanches and things like this. <laughs> 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 because uh, you you are limited to a certain degree, as, as I kind of realized watching these movies this week.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're going to talk about and mention some films later on in this episode when we can uh, talk about, I guess, effective uses of the, the the writing for this kind of a narrative. But I, I do think that as I've thought about it too, Josh, I, I'm like, boy, I, I think it would be extremely difficult. And I think that's another reason for the success of Jaws is because so much of what makes that film great, I've said this recently, is that the the interaction and the, the tension and strain, like there's a conflict between the, the three men on the boat. And that really carries the, most of the film, as far as I'm concerned, having just revisited well, it.
2: And they also really milk the yeah. premise, whereas, and so it doesn't leave a lot for other shark movies. And so that's another reason. And not only is it hard to compare your movie to anything other than Jaws, when you've made a shark film, They've really used up a lot of the good ideas, and so you really have to stretch to think of yeah,
0: exactly. Else I mean, and even, and even not just Jaws. I mean, any sort of, I mean, both piranha and orca obviously were compared <laughs> to Jaws, and those are two different species.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's cool. it's almost like any sort of attacking uh, of fish and or animal creature. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, then you, and then you really think about the Jaws sequels, like you're talking about, and we really do see they they're not that great. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: so, right you now um, I, I, no, they're not i, I have a soft spot for jaws too, just because i saw that at a drive-in but um no but you I mean, see them not, try to do
2: yeah. some different things there and and yeah. uh, play with different themes and not all of those themes really work with the shark um no. some of the locations are cooler than others um but yeah it's it's difficult
1: well and let's kind of just run down a quick like um name check on each of those sequels like if to me Jaws 2 is is basically a retread of the first one. I can't believe how similar it is and what a rip-off it seems. Jaws 3, um, for some weird reason, I do kind of like it, but it seems like a, a SeaWorld commercial, like a SeaWorld infomercial. And I love it, that where, element of it. Yeah, me too. I actually like that too. But then, then Jaws the Revenge is... Truly one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I mean that. I despise. <laughs> I I have never. I've
0: never even bothered watching it. Dave. <laughs> and, 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 and part of the reason is, well, part of the reason is I wasn't a big fan of Jaws 3. But even beyond that, I did see, I remember vividly the Siskel and Ebert review of that movie. And how Roger Ebert made a really good point. He's like, okay, this shark is out for revenge. But what happened to the shark in the first movie? What happened to the shark in the second movie? <laughs> What happened to the shark in the third movie? What shark is this? Yeah, what shark is coming <laughs> after them for revenge?
1: Why does it have a beef? You know, like, <laughs> <Right>. like <laughs> yeah. what,
0: why does it have a problem with 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 uh, Mrs. Brody?
2: H- I just watched Back to the Future two with my kids today, and I had to explain to them why there was Jaws 19 and they like, wait, don't you have that movie? Jaws? Yeah. The wife said 19. Well, there was a time where they were making them every year and it just seemed like they would maybe never right. stop. And-
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You see that with Rocky too. You see sometimes some, some, some movies refer to like Rocky 12.
1: Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, the, and I asked this question recently, but I think this, this episode is more appropriate to talk about it than any other Even though we we have seen some decent shark movies since Jaws, I I just, I don't know that we'll ever be able to to top it because I don't know. I mean, do you you guys even believe it's possible for, because it seems like people just love Jaws. It's a a classic and it's like in this protected canon.
0: Well, let's put it this way. It hasn't been topped yet. Mm -hmm. And how many years out now? I mean, we're we're forty 42 yeah. years out from, yeah. from when it was made, and it hasn't been topped yet. So, I mean, as a matter of fact, we're going backwards,
3: you
2: know? I mean, I feel like there have been some really great shark movies, but they are kind of all focused around one element, usually. And what Jaws does is it has the land, it has the sea, it has the beach, it has many, de- like, like again, it kind of melt all of those ideas, and so you, we haven't really seen another shark movie that has that many facets to it. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the big things. And right. so, I, I think it would take someone else really exploring m- the multifaceted situation of what would happen when there is a killer shark, and in this case, on an island, which makes it even more deadly, it, it, it would be hard for that film to not just be called a Jaws rip-off and so it, it, to mm. even do it would be difficult i think yeah. um it's it's a really high bar in terms of challenging filmmaking to come up with something that's fresh and original and better than jaws it's going to be it's going to be nearly impossible really in my opinion
1: well and that's right, well right. said and because of the premise of a shark attack movie is so simple. I mean, it's a very bare bones type of concept where you've got a killer fish in the water that's eating people, period. You know, it it would be difficult not to be derivative in some way. And I think that's why we see these weird, um, you know, where you have mutant sharks and you have sharks and ghost sharks. (laughs) Yeah. And weather. (laughs) Yeah. And and the thing is, the, the thing that bugs me about that. Like, and uh, right now, I'm speaking to when they take it seriously. Later on in the show, i I do want to talk about the comedy uh, shark attack type movies. but but right now, when they take it seriously and it's some kind of weird, like mutated shark or something like that, that bugs me because it's like, um, guys, sharks are already inherently scary. They have forty million teeth in their mouth. I mean, I was just at the ocean and I saw some sharks down there, like, you know, they have, you know, there's always shark stuff everywhere. And, and you could see the rows, like I actually saw a skeleton and it was like, we went to the sea exhibit thing and it showed how they're just folded over in rows, just teeth after teeth. I mean, they're just designed to be eating machines. And it's like, sharks are scary enough in their natural form. I, I don't think we have to make them mutant sharks personally but
0: no i i know i i agree with you and and i actually looked up some photos today i wanted to see some pictures of like the largest shark ever mm-hmm. captured and there are some very disturbing photos out there and these are sharks that are already like, <laughs> dead but these things are so incredibly huge these are great whites i'm talking obviously mm-hmm. these things are so incredibly huge that I mean, it's it's like there's a whole bunch of people standing around them, and these things are just stretched out across a dock or or hanging, and and I mean, I'll send you some of these pictures. I think I downloaded a few of them, and you're looking at these things, and it it really gives it really gave me like a new respect, you know, for just these looking at these pictures gave me a new respect and and the knowledge that I never ever want to meet one of these things.
3: <laughs> yes, seriously. Uh,
0: never ever you know it's it's like the scene in the revenant did with bears oh yeah that that, that's what these pictures did with with sharks because these things are and some of these pictures are are 40 50 60 years old and they're incredible i mean it's it's amazing how big a a great white shark can be i mean it's it's almost prehistoric it's almost like a dinosaur yeah as as to how big these things are
1: that's true, and they they uh, dispatch dispatch humans in a very dinosaur like way. But the other aspect right. that, that I think is very disconcerting about sharks is not only do you have this beast with a million teeth that's an eating machine and has this vice pressure um, clamping down and blah 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 all that, but you're also out of your element when you're in the water or underwater. Like we're not aquatic beings, you know, by nature, and so. I mean, the water itself is already dangerous. There's already the the danger of drowning or swimming and dealing with all of that. But then you have the shark threat on top of that. So I could, I could see why this is a great horror concept. But I can also see because of the water. So you got the water. And because of depicting a shark, whether it's through like <laughs> practical effects or CGI, you know, and, and they don't use a lot of like... There aren't a lot of instances of trained or real sharks employed in filmmaking, like shark actors,
0: <laughs>
1: so <laughs> to speak. You know, I can see why it would be a very difficult horror subgenre. Yeah.
0: Unlike Benji, there are no trained sharks. That—that's what right. I know.
1: <laughs> I love you said Benji because I was just thinking about Benji like two days ago. That's so bizarre. Um, what a weird coincidence. But
0: that, that's very, very strange that you were thinking about Benji.)
1: I, <laughs> I know. If, if Benji were there beside you, Doc, I would say to him, "100, make him attack you." Anyways. <laughs> uh, so anything else you want to say about our little concept discussion of shark movies before we get into Dr. Shuck's um, interesting little film?
2: Well, kind of what you were just saying about they're not being trained sharks, we don't see a lot of great looking sharks on screen. And so, you know, when I, I've now seen a lot of real shark photography, when you see the actual sharks, not these lumbering, you know, models like in Jaws and not these ridiculous looking CGI sharks, but an actual shark in the water is so powerful, so fast. It seems nearly impossible to escape. We as humans just can even Michael Phelps, I'm putting it out there. I don't know if he beats the shark on Shark Week, but I'm going to put my money on that shark. Oh, yeah. Because I, I don't think, I just don't think we as humans can navigate ourselves. You know, there, one of the clips from a film I'm going to talk about later called Dark Tide, one of the most believed things about sharks, and I'm not sure, and I don't think even scientists know whether it's true or not, but that one of the reasons why great whites may attack humans is because we look like seals went on a surfboard. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the theories, I should say. And no one actually knows if that's true or not. But in this movie, Dark Tide, um, they go out to a area that is a major great white feeding ground, which is just heavily populated by these seals and sea lions. And they're swimming around everywhere. I don't know if you've ever seen a sea lion at um, or a seal at the zoo, but they are mm-hmm. so fast. It's like a jets flying around. Yeah. They right. Go, they go by you so quickly. And that <laughs> was really clear in this film you know holly berry is swimming amongst all these seals and they are just zipping around her and you think if those things cannot escape a shark if that is the thing that they like to eat the most <laughs> what chance does a human have right because these yeah. things- are like a Corvette flying around, and with humans, even you know the best swimmer ever is like jalopy. I mean, you're not you're not getting away from it, you know. I'm
1: with you, I, yeah. And what you said there um, triggered something that I remembered. So w- when we were down in California, Josh, um, we went to the Aquarium of the Pacific. That's what it was called, and they th- this. Let me see how to say this without offending people. I, see I, I love animals, and I love animal activism and stuff and And they are very conscientious of that and about preservation and so forth. and there there's a lot of good exhibits along those lines. and so there's one there's one exhibit that they have there th- that basically uh, criticizes somewhat Hollywood and especially Jaws and other movies for for making for vilifying or demonizing great white sharks, specifically, but sharks in general. And so they do this little demonstration where they play, um, they show you footage of sharks swimming around and then, and then they, they play like very Jaws like sounding music with it. And they say, this is very silly. Now, now, how do you feel when we play this music and they sh- still show the same sharks? And then they play some silly, happy music. And I'm like, I couldn't help myself. I I try not to offend people. But Josh, you know, sometimes I do because there was a a girl there standing there kind of overseeing the exhibit. And I just said to my wife, I'm like, nope, still scary, still frightening. (laughs) And, and And then they show they're like, that's equally as silly as this. And then they show us like happy little dolphins flitting around and, you know, like jumping and blah, blah, blah. And then they put that scary music under them and it's like, nope, not scary. You know, I mean, it was just, it was so obnoxious. I appreciate what they're saying. You know, we don't, we don't need to hunt and kill a million sharks, but but I'm just saying that like, no, you guys, you, that thing will eat you in the water. You are, I mean, you are bait. You're on the menu when you're in there with them.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, Because you, because they they don't know what you are. They think you're a seal. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. they're looking for.: Or a Dr. Shock. Smith,
2: Kevin Smith, who's oh, yeah. a big jaws fan, says this quite often. Once you enter the ocean, you enter the food chain, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes.
0: Yeah. So true. By the, By the way, real quick, guys on the side I sent you those pictures. I sent you emails.: Oh of those cool. pictures that I found.:
1: I'll Put those in the show notes too. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thank you.
2: Before we move into our feature reviews, I just wanted to one more time remind people, and I probably will again, that we did an in-depth discussion on Jaws on episode 20 of Horror Movie Podcast, and we'll link to that in the show notes.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So at this point, then, let's move into uh, Dr. Shock's feature review of Shark Attack in the Mediterranean. All
0: right, Shark Attack in the Mediterranean, a 2004 German television movie, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Now, this movie did have um, another name. It was released uh, under another title. And based on this one-minute clip, let's see if you can guess what that title might have
3: been. (laughs) Alarm!
1: Flag! Hurry up! The black flag! Shark alarm! (laughs) Shark alarm!
3: Shark alarm! Shark alarm! Shark alarm! alarm. Hurry! Shark alarm! Get out of the water!
1: Shark alarm! I said, get out of the water!
3: Shark alarm. Hurry. Shark alarm.
0: Shark alarm.
1: Shark alarm. <laughs> my, my favorite is when he gets all like indignant and says it impatiently. Shark alarm.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I, I like it when he's yelling shark alarm and then leans over to the little kid walking out of the water, just whispers in his ear, shark alarm. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like David Hasselhoff a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well anyway, the, who is that? That is uh Ralph Möller is the name of the lead actor. And yes, the title it was also released under uh, released under was Shark Alarm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um this movie is very much like a sci-fi original film. Uh well, let me go in, uh, in, into the plot a little bit here. You you have this guy Sven, he's a German expatriate. Um he's been operating this sort of uh shuttle service by helicopter for this island. Um, he lives there with his teenage daughter. What had happened was years earlier, his wife was killed in a shark attack and it's gotten him to the point that, you know, he's really considering moving back to Germany, even though he loves it there. He wants to, he, he's going to leave. Well, one day he's, he's, um, flying this oceanographer who's just coming to the island. Uh, Julia, uh, played by Julia Stinsoff as the actress's name. He's taken her, um, you know, to to this institute, and he uh, gets a distress call saying that three divers are trapped in a cage at the bottom of the ocean, and they're surrounded by sharks. Well, once rescued, these divers say they saw this enormous shark over 30 feet long, and it was, uh, you know, um, swimming uh, in that general vicinity. Uh, uh, Well, the next day, a body um, uh, washes up on the beach, and it's obviously been chewed up by a shark. So the sheriff, um, you know, uh, decides, you know, he doesn't think there's a, it's, it's, there's a, there's a white shark, you know, it's, and, um, these other people are like, no, it's not a shark. He get the whole thing like, well, no, we don't think it's really a shark attack. Um, so it, it, gets to the point where it's really Sven trying to convince them that, that it is a shark at the same time, um, going after this shark in a way, um, you know, and and seeing if he can find it now. Like I said, this is a sci-fi movie, um, but there's a lot of it. As you, I mean, if you could tell by the synopsis, there are parts of it lifted from earlier films. Um, you know, there's there's a, there's something about a researcher who's using sh- uh, shark to cure cancer to try to cure cancer. Well, that's like Deep Blue Sea. Um, you get a scene with a helicopter and a shark. That's out of Jaws too. Um, you even get somebody who says at one point that. Um, no, it wasn't a shark attack. It was a boat's outboard motor. It's almost as if they lifted that line right out of Jaws. Mm. So, you know, it, it's really borrowing elements from a lot of other shark movies. But not only that, it is way over the top. I mean, this movie is crazy. You get the, you know, the, the, the cameras going swooping. You get really ridiculous slow motion. There is a, a, literally a scene where the lead throws his sunglasses onto a table and we see it in slow motion. Wow. Just throwing his sunglasses onto a table, no idea why. Sounds dramatic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Um, And, of course, you know, we have that wonderful scene of Shark Alarm. Um, (laughs) Now, it's not a good movie, okay? It's a bad movie. This is certainly not a good movie. And I know um, when I I sent you guys that clip, I know, uh, Josh, you made the comment about the fact that in that clip, a shark is keeping up with a with a jet ski, um, which is which is a little which is a little silly. Um, it's still one of those things where uh, did I have fun watching it? Yeah, but uh, in a in a bad sort of way. You <laughs> but know, should
1: you have I, no? <laughs> well,
0: I I watch a lot of crap, hmm. so uh, right. it was one of those things where I kind of had fun watching it, but it's not good. It's just not. It's not a. It's not a good movie. Um, if I were giving it a rating, I'd have to give it, I'd probably give it a four, but I would say I can't in all good conscience recommend people watch it. So I'd have to say it's an avoid, mm-hmm. um, but I think it would move No, but, but if you have fun watching the old, uh, watching the sci-fi movies and sort of laughing at them, you'll have that same, you'll get that same joy out of, out of, uh, watching shark attack in the Mediterranean. Um, but I have to, I have to call it an avoid because it's, it's really not good.
1: And since it's a um, German TV film, like if people were going to go against your, <laughs> your wise counsel there and, mm-hmm. and, and say they, you know, were gluttons for punishment and they still wanted to see it, how would they track it down since it was a German TV film? I'm sorry if I missed that.
0: That's a good question. I mean, I have it on DVD, obviously. I'm obviously. Sure. Me, yeah, right. <laughs> so. Well, I covered it on the blog a while ago. Let me take a look here.
1: So maybe they can come um, to your house get it
0: yeah you can yeah everybody wants to stop by um i'll put it on for them i might not stay in the room and watch it with them but i'll, I'll pop it in there for you uh, that
1: would be amazing
0: <laughs> i mean this is something i could see maybe even being out on youtube to be honest with you
1: well listeners don't look for it because dr Shock said avoid anyway right like four out of yeah. ten
0: yeah i don't see it out on youtube i don't know I, you know what don't watch it <laughs> <laughs> that's the bottom. don't don't watch it okay don't even right. bother looking for it
1: all right well thanks for checking <laughs> Him. so that is shark attack in the mediterranean from 2004 aka shark alarm shark alarm shark alarm shark alarm okay so right. i think the other one you wanted to talk to us about was a, a stacy keach movie about the uss indianapolis right
0: yes and this is another tv movie uh, it's mission of the shark the saga of the uss indianapolis it's from 1991 it does have stacy keach in it richard thomas and what, what interests me about this is, is we get that great scene in Jaws where, where Quint is sitting there telling Brody and Hooper about his experiences. Uh, he was a crewman on the USS Indianapolis uh, that was torne- uh, torpedoed in 1945. And um, because of what it was doing, it was dropping off the atomic bomb, so there weren't many people who knew it was out there. So the crewmen were sit- they're sort of floating in the water um, for a long time. They were floating in the water for days and they were being picked off by sharks. Mm. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, I mean, and just, and just think about that. I, I can't even imagine putting myself in that situation where you're floating there. You know they're down there. You can't see them. And you know they're going to take somebody. Is it you? Is it the person next to you? You don't know. You just don't have any idea. Um, and this movie, I I have to say, I did enjoy it. It's not necessarily what a a horror movie, obviously at the end, when they're in the water, it, it comes very close to that. Um, but what I liked about it is just how it depicts certain things. You know, uh, it, it depicts the sinking of the ship very well. Um, we, we see its destruction. It's, 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 it's handled very, very well, like the, the destruction of the ship, um, but it's when they're in the water. I mean, that's really what, what hits you. And that's where the story, uh, you know, the, the, the shark attacks aren't gory. But it's just that idea. <laughs> that idea that, that you're floating there and you, you just don't know. And that's what happens in this movie. You just see them picked off. You see them picked off like a few at a time. And you hear them screaming. And, and there's not much you can do. They try huddling together. They, they don't know what to do. Um, what do you do in that situation other than and you're there for days? You know, it's a long time. I, I can't remember how many guys went in. I think Quint told the story, but more than half of them were taken by sharks.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Who, who, who survived the original weird. attack. More than half of them were taken by sharks.
1: So this isn't a political statement. I'm just wondering about this, right? Like, cause this is a lot of ifs, a lot of variables and so forth. One thing that crosses my mind, or makes me wonder, it's like I I wonder if anybody who ever heard that story thought interesting. They were the ones that delivered this bomb. It killed all these people. You know, I wonder if this was some kind of uh, wrath of God type of natural, yeah, type of thing. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I just I juju. Yeah, I wonder. (laughs) I
1: wonder about that because honestly, in the history of like natural deaths happening by animals, you know. Like, it would be really hard to think of very many instances that are comparable in the horrific nature of this USS Indianapolis story. I mean, I don't know. That's just kind of weird. But
0: I agree. Now, ultimately, the movie does try to take on too much. I think it tries to squeeze too much into um, its runtime. Um, And as a result, some things I don't don't get the attention. And I think the shark, the shark's at the end you don't get a sense watching this movie of how many people actually died Mm -hmm. because they show them, but you don't see like mass amounts of people being pulled under. Um, But it it is, it is an effective look at, at this, this tragedy at what happened. So I would give this a a six, I'd give it a 6.5 and I'd say it's worth a rental.
1: Okay. 6.5.
0: Again, if you could find it and uh, don't ask me to look it up. Okay. I had a, It was enough of a pain in the neck trying to look up shark attack in the Mediterranean. I don't want to have to put Mission of the Shark,
1: um,
0: the real life saga of the USS Indianapolis. I know these you are know. <laughs> these are
1: very long titles for some reason. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, and, and just so people know, I mean, if this if this subject or that event interests you, there's also a, a newer film that just came out last year called uh, USS Indianapolis. Men of Courage from 2016, and that one actually stars uh, Nicolas Cage. I ended up seeing that um, back in March. I checked it out finally. Uh, Same story and everything. This one was directed, this is kind of interesting, directed by Mario Van Peebles. Isn't that interesting? Oh, wow, that
0: is interesting. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of of cool. That's pretty cool. Wow. Now, while everyone was being attacked by sharks, was Nicolas Cage yelling about bees?
1: Or? <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing about it. Like sometimes I find Nicolas Cage's performances to be a little bit off-putting. I think he was mm-hmm. he was kind of in the middle on this one. You know, not super great or not super terrible. But this does. I mean this this one, Men of Courage. It feels a lot like a TV movie, to be honest with you. And once mm-hmm. once you do get to the shark scenes. Um, it's somewhat horrific they turn up the, you know, the horror elements a little bit. I mean, you could definitely see that this would be just a terrifying experience and
0: very traumatic, but that's, that's what, and that's really what where it lies is just that whole idea that that you don't even know if help's ever going to come.
2: On that note of feeling like a TV movie, I uh, I just looked up Mario Van Peebles' filmography because I thought I haven't really seen anything he's done since mm-hmm. Badass, as far as I can remember. Right. And uh, as I'm looking at it, yeah, he's directed a lot, but it's all been television. So mm,
1: okay, oh,
2: that's interesting. That makes
1: sense then why it had that yeah. that TV sheen to it, but. But uh, the other, the final thing I was just going to say about this one, Men of Courage, it's not a horror film. But uh, what's very interesting, if you are kind of uh, intrigued by this historical event, I think what shocked me more than anything else, Doctor Shock, which I won't reveal here, is what ends up happening after all of that experience is over. And so when, when we get to the end of the film, I was I was kind oh. of just amazed by that. And so. It was one of those things that when I reviewed it on um, Movie Podcast Weekly, it was one of those things I wasn't really going to recommend to people the whole time I was Uh. watching it. And then, boom, you know, we got to the end and I was like, wow, that's kind of an insane story. So it actually continues to get insane um, to, to to some degree after the Sharks. I think you should check it out still. I mean, I think I gave it a seven, even though, like, the first portion is very low rent as far as I'm concerned, but um, you know, worth your time because it's an interesting true story, you know?
0: Yep, and that's, I'd say the same thing about Mission of the Shark. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the same uh, in the same boat, but I think it also touches <laughs> on those events at the very end you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like
0: after everything's wrapped up, it also touches on those as well.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. So, the Nicolas Cage one you can see on Amazon for four bucks if you wanted to rent it and mm, Four bucks. It's like oh, okay, support cinema, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was another film I was gonna ask you about, Dr. Shock. We've been planning uh, this, you know, this episode, and you mentioned uh, a little factoid about Sam Fuller's Shark.
0: Yeah, and I had actually remembered it incorrectly. I had said that they actually used the footage in the movie. What happened was, um, it was a 1969 film that Samuel Fuller made. It was uh, starred Burt Reynolds. It had Arthur Kennedy in it, it had Barry Sullivan. And it's really a, a an action-thriller sort of film. You know, you, you get uh, this gunrunner, Kane, and that's Burt Reynolds. He's really young. I mean, this movie's from 1969, so real early in his career. Um, he, he ends up in the Mediterranean. He takes a job. And hooks up with his professor uh, and his uh, blonde assistant, uh, played by Sylvia Pinel, And they've been diving at the bottom of the sea um, where they're looking for uh, a food alternative to solve the, you know, the world's hunger problems. Um, the problem was their previous assistant was killed by a shark, so they need somebody and they get Kane. So what it really is, is it's kind of a mystery thriller because people are like sort of screwing the other person over and, and trying to. You know, trying to make a profit out of this whole thing. And and uh, that's what the movie is really about. Now, uh, Samuel Fuller, when he made this movie, when he was shooting this movie, he titled it Cain after the lead character. That's what it was going to be. Well, during the production, uh, a stuntman was killed by a shark that was supposed to be sedated.
1: Like actually uh, killed in the filmmaking was in real life. Yeah, yeah.
0: During the making yeah. of the film, he was killed. He was killed by wow. the shark. Well, the producers got a hold of this because it made the, you know, it made the news. They used that in their promotion of the film, which Samuel Fuller found very distasteful. And to further capitalize on it, they named the movie Shark, even though a shark has next to nothing to do with this other than one scene at the very beginning where you see the assistant killed by the shark. slime, And even the tagline, even the tagline is a realistic film became too real. Shark will rip you apart.
1: Wow. They, they,
0: it was just totally. Josh. I'll take you away with that.
1: Uh, how did, how did that st- stunt man's family not sue the pants off of them? Look. That's
0: a good question. I mean, Samuel Fuller wanted his name taken off the movie, but they didn't do it. I mean, he said, I, because they recut the movie they did like they took. They basically just redid this whole film. It was an awful experience for him, and he wanted his name taken off of it, but they wouldn't take his name off of it, and he was really upset of what they did with the shark. You know, with with promoting that to help promote the film.
1: Yeah, well, and I just want to clarify so to make sure I understand. I think you said this, Dr. Chuck, but um, yeah. so they don't actually have footage of the real person's no, death. There's I had, a de- I had, uh, there's I was a depiction
0: incorrectly. Yeah, and, no, you do of see, a character. You, do, you see the shark. You do see the shark in the film, um, but no, you don't. They don't have actual footage of the the killing. I thought they did. I I was remembering it incorrectly. But but they just but they used it. They used that death to try and get more people into the theater to see this movie. And is did, what it is.
1: did you say also that the, what, there is a depiction? If this isn't a spoiler, I guess, but it, there is a no. depiction of a a death of a character that's all you know fictitious, of course.
0: Oh, yeah. But by, by yeah, a shark and, at, okay. and in the very in like one of the very first scenes of the movie, you see that because that's the assistant who's killed by a shark that clears clears the way for Kane
3: mm-hmm.
0: to join the team right. um, throughout the rest of the movie. That's it. I mean, that's all that a shark has to do with this as he comes in and, and takes out one character at the beginning. Um, but from that, I mean, even on the poster. Um, I'm looking at it here, and it's called Shark. And the underneath there is a shark taking a bite out of a diver. Yeah. Sort of a cartoon.
1: <laughs> it's crazy how slimy. It, it says on the IMDb trivia that he was killed on camera while working with what was supposed to be a sedated shark, as you said, Dr. Shark. Um, yeah. When a white shark bit through the protective netting and attacked him, and then I guess um in the opening credits of the film, Doc, isn't it? Doesn't it say uh, the film is dedicated to the fearless stuntmen yeah. who repeatedly risked their lives against the yes, sharks and shark-infested And that was
0: Samuel Fuller. That was Samuel Fuller, you know, who decided to do that. But
1: um, <laughs> trying to ease, soften the blow. Yeah,
0: the, the, yeah. But other than that, he was just just sort of disgusted by the by the whole situation with this movie. Um, and it's it's a shame because I like Samuel Fuller. I pretty much like any movie he's ever done, and I do like I do like shark you know, to, to to a point because it is a good action mystery thriller. Um, but when you read about what the producers did, I don't, I'm not sure where they were from. I don't know if they were uh, uh, Greek. I, I, I've read Samuel Fuller's autobiography and he does talk about it in, in depth. He actually even talks about how he at one point made Burt Reynolds cry. Um, and, and he what? just, he's lost all, all respect for Burt Reynolds. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a very interesting story behind the making of this movie. Yeah, he, I don't know, Burt Reynolds was talking about his, one of his relationships and Samuel Fuller joked around, well, you don't have to worry about so-and-so. I don't remember exactly what the exchange was, but Burt Reynolds started to cry <laughs> and got up and laughed. and Samuel Fuller's just like, well, you know, he, he lost all respect for Burt Reynolds at that moment. But anyway, um, yeah, it was obviously a very troubled production um, in a lot of ways. The same thing actually happened in Thunderball, uh, the James Bond film. Where they had brought in a dead shark for a scene, and it all of a sudden started to move. It wasn't dead. Yikes. They thought they had purchased a dead shark, but they hadn't.
1: Did it? Did it <laughs> also kill someone?
0: No, no, it did not. They actually were able to to get everybody out, I guess, in time. But um, obviously, you can't trust sedation or even death uh, when it comes to sharks, because you, you're you're just never sure.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, so, Josh, seriously, there, there's no way that they can put a stop to something like that when when they're exploiting, you know, the death of a crew member?
2: I mean, yeah, I would think that there would be a lot of ways, but maybe the family of this crew member weren't savvy enough to know what those ways were. or Maybe they didn't have the money to take on film studio or whatever so i don't know
1: yeah you know. i got you well that's wild yeah. okay so that's sam fuller shark not a horror movie right dr no but no still not at all
0: not at all but uh interesting for uh, this conversation A horrible bit of exploitation uh, exploiting something that should have never been exploited
1: yeah okay well shame on them all right well uh wolfman josh if I'm not mistaken, I believe that uh, you and Dave are going to talk a little bit about a documentary called Blue Water, White Death.
3: We're looking for the animal that I think is considered to be the most dangerous predator still living in the world.
1: Hey, the lights went out. Here he
3: comes in now—the great white.
2: Yeah, so this came to my attention just in the comments at horrormoviepodcast.com. One of our listeners, DJ45, here commented, Jay, regarding shark movies that might be better than Jaws, have you watched Blue Water, White Death, 1971? And I had been looking for a film to review for the shark episode, so I thought, maybe I should go with this. And DJ was like, yeah, go for it. And so I watched <laughs> it, and it was a documentary. And um, there are definitely a couple of scary scenes but you know, I, I wouldn't call it a horror movie. So I I did end up watching other films for my review. But I thought I'd at least talk about it. it turned out David watched it as well. So I thought we'd yeah. talk about it for a moment. But and yeah, I I think this is undoubtedly a probably important documentary. It uh it's it's a classic documentary film. I think it was a big influence on Jaws. It came a few years beforehand. And we know that Ron and Valerie Taylor, who are main characters in this documentary, went on to be Steven Spielberg's shark advisors on Jaws and, in fact, shot that underwater footage of the shark attacking the cage that's become so famous. Um, These are the same photographers from this documentary that uh, that did Jaws. So um, this is also, I found, after watching it, and I didn't find this in any kind of a online source i'm telling you after i saw this is a major influence on wes anderson's film the life aquatic obviously jacques Cousteau was a was a major influence but i feel like there's so much of this film that is just straight in the life aquatic i got that that
0: feeling and i got that sense too yeah there's
2: a there's a crew member who is a folk musician and that's their job on the (laughs) ship that's all he does he just
0: he, he provides the soundtrack
2: and um, it's and it's used exactly the same way as it is in the Life Aquatic, where you you in that film you have South George playing Portuguese versions of David Bowie songs, and this <laughs> right. film, he's playing his own music. But it's used exactly the same way, where you hear music, Excellent. it seems like it's underscore, but then all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's this folk musicians playing on the bow of the boat or whatever. Right, that's exactly right. how they do it in the Life Aquatic. So anyway, I thought that was fun to see. Also, the entire film is about their search for or in uh, their hope to photograph a great white shark. And so
0: that, which had never been done up to this point from what apparent, I understand, as far as, as far as, in, hmm. in, its, in its natural habitat, you know, sort of underwater, it had not been done before.
2: So they set sail, or I don't know if that's the proper term when you're not on a sailboat, but they, they, they hit the high seas in this giant ship that again, resembles the ship in life aquatic was easy. And, uh, they say they go around the was the horn of of Africa and kind of up through some of the islands there, stopping along the way many times to kind of get into the water. and we we just mostly it's about these people on the ship. And it's a little dull, I would say. i I, I didn't find it particularly entertaining on a on a narrative level i found the characters pretty unlikable and i again related to life aquatic i felt like there were moments where they just seemed like they were kind of just making stuff up and uh you know there was no google at the time for people to kind of fact check some of the stuff they were saying so well
0: and, and one thing i got i mean i got the feeling of you know, peter gimble who was also a producer yes he was one of the photographers yes. and there were times when i got the idea that he was sort of you know, playing to the camera, especially when he was screaming oh, that. For sure. Have those have those cages been checked? We have to check them every day. And the guys like, no, you're the guy at the back. No, it hasn't been checked. Once we're on board, no, no, we don't have to check them now, uh, but they need to be checked. You know, it's,
2: many of those scenes felt staged to me. It felt like maybe they had had that conversation, and the guys were like, "Hey, that was pretty good. Why don't you say that all again?" And then they're all kind of standing yeah. in heroic poses, talking to each other, and. <laughs> We're I mean, so I, cool, like our right. adventures. There was <laughs> I, a lot of ADR too. Did you catch that? Like there was a, there was a lot of dialogue replacement, which is odd in a documentary. You don't see it
0: right. too often. I mean, but so. but then again, I mean, the, the, this movie did. Um, I liked uh, the chase for the the Great White was obviously what the ultimate goal was. But I did enjoy some of the other adventures. You know, some of the some of the oh, other yeah. things that made up this movie. Um, and one thing that I didn't feel was staged. Um, and it's when the current, you know, that, that scene where the current is really bad. I, I think they were in the was it, Grand Kimono somewhere and they're out. Uh, the divers are out and the current's really bad and they're screaming for someone to help them. I think it was Valerie Taylor and, and that guy Stanton, um, mm-hmm. Stanton Waterman, were screaming for someone to help them. Help us, help us, help us. And you could tell they're screaming at the cameraman.
3: The cameraman is just filming. Yeah. He's
0: just filming. And when they get on board, I think Stanton Waterman says, hey, the next time we're calling for help, if you guys are just standing there filming, we're going to throw you overboard or something like that. You know, I <laughs> yeah. got the feeling that that was a real situation and that was like, and and one diver even gets swept out the sea. Was that
2: Peter and, Lake?
0: Yes. And he didn't, if he didn't have that flare.
2: Yeah. And Peter Lake found them. Peter Lake is the spitting image of Hooper from jaws. I had to, yes, I felt like
3: no they must've
2: bottled Hooper <laughs> off of this yep. guy
0: yeah I don't say I don't think he
3: That's acts awesome. like
0: Hooper but he definitely looks
2: like looks like
0: Hooper. yeah <laughs> there's there's no doubt um and then there's a scene where where um see what it is at the beginning of a day they're following whale, uh, this whaling expedition out of South Africa mm-hmm. and there are tough scenes to watch because they do actually show the the hunting of the whales and the harpooning um and you see the blood and it's it's pretty I mean there's even a, a scene where they um, very, very kind of strange where they uh, go by train. they Actually, the, the cameras go by train to where they take these whales, and you see Peter Gimble just sort of looking on as they're butchering them uh, at this yeah. sort of um, uh, location somewhere. Um, I don't know where it was. On land, they had taken them somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, the idea was that the whole thing is that the sharks, they, they keep the whales in the water. They, they sort of mark the territory where the dead whale is, and they sort of protect it a little bit, and, and they're going to come back and pick it up later. Well, a lot of times, by the time they got back there, the sharks had picked it apart. I mean, half of yeah. it is gone.
3: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: they leave this one in the water, and they go down in the cages. There are hundreds of sharks hitting at this thing, and yeah. they actually get wow. out of the cage and swim with them. Not really swim with them, <laughs> but, and you see these sharks coming up and bumping them, Yeah, because that's what sharks do, to see if they're moving. If not, then they might attack them. Yeah, and then it was it was, and it's funny because it was Valerie Taylor, the one woman who had that. What was that pole? I don't know if it was electric. I don't know if it had a charge in it. It it had a had a bullet. It had a a
2: twenty yeah twenty millimeter round in it, and And it was she was the one hitting the sharks, keeping them away. Yeah, but but mostly it wasn't doing. You know, mostly she was just pushing them away. But at one point, she kills one of the sharks. It's crazy. That scene is. By far the best scene in the movie and there's this this whole segment where they're using this really trippy audio score which I can't I can't remember offhand now what it is I should have you know what let's play a clip of it right here <laughs> all right <laughs> So, you know, we did that in post, so I actually haven't heard it again. So I'm still not exactly sure what it was, but I felt like it was <laughs> like whale sounds and kind of like pings and, and it's this really eerie soundtrack. And what you have is this really crazy scene where the three photographers are out of the their cages, they've got their cameras and there are just these blue sharks coming at them from all angles, trying to kind of like bump them and test them, you know? And so they're just constantly Turning over their shoulder, hitting it away, hitting it away, hitting it away, hitting it away, hitting it away. away, And it's just relentless. And that's really spooky. Like, that was the first scene in the film where I was like, this is spooky stuff. (laughs) And it's hard to remember. I mean, the one thing that's really priceless about this film is just it's gorgeous underwater photography shot on film. And so it's easy to forget now in a world where there's so much amazing nature photography in a world of Planet yeah. Earth films and you know all of those uh-huh. all, of, all of the amazing films the oceans that Disney's put out and yeah. all of those they are just these incredible visual delights and this film delivers that a little bit less so but historically looking back to have something this incredible that was all shot on film it's not video. I mean this is gorgeous photography. Um it's really cool. So from that from that stance it's really cool. Like I said I think that blue shark scene is the thing that's really scary that I hadn't really seen anything like that before. And then the the men, you know, toward the end they've got a great scene to kind of wrap up the film. When I say it's dull, I'm talking about the scenes with the characters on the boat because they do feel staged. There's uh. a little bit of ADR, there's a lot of posturing there's a lot of pardon my not quite french but uh, maybe portuguese <laughs> there are yeah. a lot of douchebags in this movie they're just <laughs> sitting around kind of bougie brag- braggarts and i don't know i, I th- that was a real turn off to me but i could also see i could see how this could influence <laughs> life aquatics so uh right. sitting around drinking their champagne on the deck of the boat like, like give me a break
1: but um that's amazing
2: So when when Werner Herzog has talked about how he doesn't like adventurers, he doesn't like these type of people who go out and climb mountains. And I just, I never connected with me because I love Werner Herzog, but I never connected with that because I thought that to me is the height of human experience. These guys who go and do Everest and there's so many amazing documentaries about humans pushing themselves to the limits. When I saw this and then understanding, thinking about, Herzog kind of he probably came up around the same time as these guys he's, right. having, he's releasing his first films around this time you think oh yeah like these are the types of people he couldn't stand <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now yeah, I get it clearly get exactly yeah. right.
1: <laughs> it's amazing so that's that's Blue Water White Death from 1971 and I see here it's rated G it's a documentary so it's not technically a horror film but it sounds like it has some pretty chilling footage
2: it's some cool footage, uh, yeah. you know, and it's it's a great documentary. And I would say that one scene, maybe even just taken on its own, is a is a creepy shark scene. I think it's one, and knowing that it is real, that is not staged. <laughs> right. right. It it really gets on your nerves. I mean, it's it's pretty creepy. I
0: almost got the feeling in that scene. I almost got the feeling in that scene, Josh, that we were healing, hearing hearing uh, whale cries.
2: That's what it sounds like. It's scored yeah. with. Yeah. And and it is quite disturbing because Valerie at the end does kill one of these sharks and it seemed unnecessary. It seemed like something they just wanted to do. Like we've got this we've oh. got this round. Let's blast one of these sharks. They did seem like they were in danger. Don't get me wrong. They seemed like they were in oh, yeah. severe yeah. danger. But they were in the same level of danger, I would say, the whole time. It didn't seem like it escalated at the moment she decided to kill one, you know? Right. So. Right, right just kind of along with that another documentary I saw this week cuz I was looking for quality shark films cuz I didn't want to review just a crappy shark movie I wanted to find something good <laughs> I saw this documentary on Netflix called Death Beach and uh, it's it's a 2012 documentary it's a very like made for TV kind of documentary with the heavy voiced narrator it sounds like something that would be on like Discovery or whatever um, and it's about one of the most dangerous beaches in the world. Uh, it says on IMDb, it says this documentary examines the gruesome legacy of South Africa's second beach, the site of some of the deadliest, goriest shark attacks in history. So this is, yeah, like I was, I was mentioning before, this is one of those cases where they don't, didn't really know why all of these shark attacks were happening. And they were really intense shark attacks where, as I mentioned, most shark attacks, they bite you once and kind of let you go. They don't really kill you. Um, these sharks were like killing And completely eating people, and the people were never found again. Kind of situation, like these were intense shark attacks, and you had them from all types of sharks. You had them from tiger sharks, bull sharks, great white sharks. They were all coming this feeding frenzy at this beach, which was the home of like all the locals came and swam there, and there was a little surf club. And you just think, why do people keep getting in the water here? They kind of when they interviewed the locals, it almost seemed like. Well, this is just what happens. Sometimes one of your friends dies from a shark attack, but this is where we swim. You know, and you want to say, go to a different beach, man. Like
1: (laughs) what's ten miles up the
2: coast? (laughs) And you realize, you know, and they so they what the documentary is, is it's kind of this, not very deep, but an investigation into why our all these attacks happening you know, at this one particular beach. And there were some theories and a lot of them are dispelled right off the bat that has something to do with voodoo and animal sacrifices that the witch doctors are doing there on the beach. It has something to do with, you know, some different local legends that maybe there's a whale buried at the beach. It has something to do with, these are intentional deaths and it dispels those things pretty quickly, but it's interesting to kind of see that. And then, and then ultimately they start to believe that, and as I was saying, Jay, like, you never know what the thing is that's going to lead lead to it. There yeah. was new a new housing development put up nearby this beach, this, this new village and city and all these new homes. But what was happening is all the sewage was now being pumped into this river right next to the beach, and that was going down to the ocean, and all that sewage was attracting for the first time hundreds and hundreds, all these sharks coming to this area. Oh, why never would been there
1: sewage attract sharks? That's weird. I don't
2: know. I don't want to know why. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're eating, look, they're eating it, man. They're eating it. <laughs> but Yikes. whatever the reason, it's making them more aggressive because it's now a feeding ground, right? And so, um, anyway, it was crazy. It was it was really crazy. And they tell the stories of these little children, that were, um, many of them on this, this little surf club that were attacked and killed by these bull sharks and just completely gutted. And it was, it was pretty Pretty scary story. Not a great film. So uh, it's a very low priority rental. Like if you're like me and you're just like cruising Netflix for some shark content, um, I would check out that film, but not not a high priority film and not a horror, not a horror movie.
1: So that one's Death Beach. Now, when I looked that up here, I I found a 2016 film that's that says it's a 70 minute horror thriller supposedly released in January 2016. I know it's different, but it has only eight ratings, right? Uh, but wow. it's got an 8.8 8 out of 10. So obviously it was like probably the film crew rating it. But um, <laughs> it, the premise on this one is five oh. five friends embark on vacation to a luxury resort in Malaysia. But little do they know there's a killer on the loose to pick them off one by one. I wonder if this, if this Death Beach was kind of named after or inspired by your documentary or something. Mm, I don't know interesting so
2: what, you'll have to find out <laughs> let me know <laughs> uh,
1: yeah well what what did you guys rate just curious what did you rate blue water white death from
2: 1971 probably give that a 7.5 i think it has the highest historical significance because of the underwater photography and that one scene is really great but i've seen most of it before and i really disliked the subjects of the film
1: so okay. it's
2: knocked down for me for that
1: all right. And uh, d- just a quick uh, documentary filmmaker question there, Wolfman. So, yeah. so if the listeners don't know, Wolfman Josh makes documentary films. If you were m- ever making a film where you intensely disliked your subjects, would you just like cut and run or would you just keep filming them?
2: Well, you have to. I I, I, I don't want to say I intensely dislike my subjects, but I actually look for people who I disagree with. One of my kind of like if I have a thing in documentaries, which I don't know that I have enough work. I certainly haven't released enough work for people to to say that I have a thing. But for the projects that I've worked on, I typically look for subjects with whom I disagree. And then I try to empathize with them and understand their point of view. And that the film is like an exploration of kind of people I don't like. So that's kind of my MO, actually.
1: Now I know why you asked me to be in that one documentary. <laughs>
2: That's why you ended
1: that. Yeah, but but then like you, you then you realize that you love me, and that's yeah. why you cut my footage, and it ended yeah, up on the like floor it
0: too much. Yeah, yeah let, let's let's go with.
1: That. <laughs> that, that's what happened. Okay, fair enough. What about you, Doctor Shock? What do you say about Blue Water, White Death?
0: I actually liked it a little bit more. I'd give it an eight point five, um, because I I did uh, think it was interesting. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the characters were. Uh, you know, a little pompous and a little overbearing uh, at <laughs> times, especially a, a couple of them uh, specifically. Um, but I did, I, I did, uh, and I did, and I could tell that it wasn't a straight up, you know, that that it was definitely, some of it was staged, um, which actually puts it in line with a Werner Herzog documentary. I mean,
3: mm-hmm. he,
0: he pulled, he got me once with the, oh, I can't remember what, it was. guess Waldo, Death for Five Voices, Um yeah. And where where I was reading an interview with him where he said that movie was completely staged <laughs> it was all made up <laughs> um I mean there was a Casvaldo when he did kill his wife other than that the rest of the movie was 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 staged two um, things on
2: that one he's completely upfront about it which yes, these guys yes, are not yes yes he is
0: and two yes. he doesn't no, you're right.
2: like he pulls it off like this it's obvious that it's like you're seeing through the veneer and you're not supposed to you know mm-hmm. I think
0: that's one of the best things about Herzog is his dramas have a documentary feel, and his documentaries are very dramatic.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
0: you know, so <laughs> yes. you never are quite sure. You know, you look at something like Gary Rath the God, that could be a documentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that, I think that's one of the best things about Herzog is he blurs that line where you don't know. You know, or and uh-huh. and I think that um, that and you know, obviously in Fisgaraldo, pulling that ship, actually pulling that ship over a mountain. Um, oh that's my. just insane.
1: You're singing my song. Don't get me started on those movies right now. I, I just love talking about it. <laughs> Josh and I, I think Josh and I have probably talked about Fitz on probably 17 different podcast episodes. Right <laughs> I mean, we love talking about that. Um, yeah. so who was in Dr. Shark? One more thing. So 8.5, yeah. uh, do you own this? Would you tell people to buy it or is it rent? I
3: actually, free? I, I,
0: I actually, um, one of the things that piqued my interest was it was a documentary from 71, which was very early, before mm-hmm. Jaws. And that's what made me really want to see it. And I actually found it online for under $10. So I picked up the DVD, and that's why I was actually <laughs> – I, I covered it for the blog. And it was that same uh, listener in the comments that that uh, turned me on to this movie. So, yeah, thank you mm-hmm. uh, very much. And um, and I did enjoy it. I, I did mm-hmm. uh, I did like it. So, yeah, I'd say 8.5.
1: All right. And and who was that listeners? When you, I believe you... it was
2: DJ45. I'd have to go back, but
1: I didn't mention his name before. Yeah. Okay, thank yeah. you. His
2: or her name before.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks for recommending that. And yeah, if people want to just rent it, it's on amazon for three bucks i see so. That's
2: that's how i saw it it was a two-day rental nice it was worth it right. yeah you know, I, I as a documentarian like i kind of and a cinephile i do kind of feel like i should probably buy it just for its historical significance but mm-hmm. i'm not sure other than that one scene that i'd watch it again so that's
3: right
0: a, okay. big
2: understandable um death beach i'd maybe give like a five it's fine okay <laughs> very very low priority rental i mean it's interesting it's interesting but only as interesting as like watching the news kind of a thing you know
1: what i mean i get you okay cool then that's the death beach documentary from 2012 that's currently streaming on netflix watch instantly okay
3: correct
1: got you all right dr shock i believe if i'm not mistaken uh you need to retire for the evening is that correct yeah
0: i got about three hours here so yeah i gotta go okay um but uh, I didn't, uh, this was fun. I enjoyed talking about the, <laughs> talking about these sharks. And like I said, definitely, well, this is off. Take a, take a look at those pictures I sent you. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely insane. Those damn, uh, those damn sharks. <laughs> um, and they're dead. And they're dead. And I wouldn't go anywhere near them.
3: Yeah.
1: You, well, I I hear you for sure. Well, why don't you uh, tell the listeners, Dr. Shark, where they can catch up with you and uh, enjoy more of your work.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you could. Come over to the blog, DVDinfatuation.com. I am on Twitter at DVDinfatuation, and I have a Facebook page. Um, And I'm also on the Universal Monsters cast. Uh, And I'm actually going to be taking part in a new podcast coming out on the network. We deal in lead with, I, I can't remember what our names are now, but it's Matt from the sci-fi podcast, Mattroid, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and uh, a new voice on the network, Jason. And again, I'm not sure what our names are going to be. I'm sure mine's going to be like old Doc or Doc something over there as well. <laughs> that's, that kind of fits with the Western theme.
1: Doc Holiday. Um,
0: Yeah. And, that, and that's what we're covering. We're dealing with and we're uh, talking Western films. That's so awesome. it's um, it's going to be interesting because it'll be pretty much the first podcast other than the um the Oscars one that you and I did that mm-hmm. uh, for a few episodes a few years back, Jay, that yeah, where I'll be talking about something other than horror, so I'm, yeah. uh, I'm I it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to that, and um, we're actually going to be recording the first episodes, um, in uh, in a few days.
1: I can't wait cool. to hear it. I, I love, I love that idea and that concept. So that'll be great. We deal in lead is the name of it. It's a Western podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned on movie podcast network for more of that.
2: Can I tell you one quick story, Dave? I'm sorry. I know you're yeah, yeah, sure. Go, go ahead. Uh, you were talking about the sharks eating from that whale. I found a really funny, I don't know if it's funny story. When I was like Googling shark stuff this week about a guy who was nominated for a Darwin award in 2014, Uh, The title of this article is man immediately regrets jumping onto a dead whale being eaten by great white sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, I can
0: see that. I can see that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It says Harrison Williams of Queens rock north of Perth was videotaped jumping from his friend's boat and swimming across to a dead whale because one of his mates said, quote, it would be pretty funny to surf the whale. Seven news footage showed several large great white sharks <laughs> circling and feeding on the other side of the whale. The 26-year-old said he knew that they were busy chomping on the whale, but told Seven News he knew it was a stupid thing to do once he was on top of the whale.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah I could just see that. You're kind of like, okay, now what do I do? Oh, my yeah. God, that would be awful. And I'm the, sure alcohol was involved.
2: The footage shows an 18-foot shark, great white, oh. wow. swimming on the other side of the whale, That he's sitting on.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, there's um, I I don't know if people would consider it a spoiler, but there's a recent a fairly recent shark movie that has a very similar type of scenario in it. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Interesting. All right. What about these uh, Jaws socks? Then we have a little contest giveaway, right?
0: Yeah, I I had picked these socks up actually uh, at the beach. I got them in the uh, in the Boardwalk Mall in Wildwood, New Jersey on the board. Obviously, the Boardwalk. Um, and I saw them hanging there. And what it is, is the two socks put together make up that, you know, that, uh, sort of iconic poster art from jaws of the, of the sharks mouth, you know, swimming up towards the,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: well, the swimmer on the surface. And I said, wow, you know, and at that point we were talking about doing a shark episode. I thought, well, that would be a good giveaway for that.
3: Mm-hmm. That's um, so nice So actually,
0: well, yeah, thanks. And I picked them up and, uh. I have them. I'm looking at them right here. I have them sitting right here.
1: So when the socks are together, that's when you can see the picture, right? Yes. so, yes. so it that sounds means, like
0: No, it does it does sort of go around the sock too, I believe.
1: It, I was going to say I that.
0: mean, they Yeah, and yeah, it's not like you have to walk a strange way.
1: No, no I you're, I, was, I was I was trying to you know. slip in a little joke there about uh promoting Uh-oh. jaws and abstinence, but never mind. I'll, yeah, I'll let right, it go. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs>
3: And, you
0: know, Josh had looked at him. He made a good point. You could just wear them as regular socks. You could probably wear them with a dress suit because with your, you know, if, if be honest, you don't really show your socks anyway. Um, You don't maybe, but no, I don't (laughs) no, I I don't.
2: So this is the kind of thing that if you are like wearing a suit, uh, you know, if you're in a job or, you're going to church, and you're you're the kind of person that has to wear a suit. But then you've got these sweet socks underneath. If someone does catch a glimpse of them, they're going to know. Oh, that guy's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Well done. Yeah, and and what? And thank you, Dave, for purchasing those for the the yeah, audience. No and 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 Josh, how does the giveaway work on that one?
2: So what we'll do is just what we've done in the last few giveaways. We will tweet out the official uh, tweet. From this episode, you know we'll put that on Twitter, we'll put it on uh, Instagram, and if you retweet or regram our official post for this episode, you'll be in the running to be in contention for these socks. And we'll just draw a winner on the next episode out of those who mm-hmm. retweeted or mm-hmm. regrammed or reposted in some way on social media mm-hmm. uh, this episode.
1: Excellent. All
0: right. Nice. Do you still do you still have the picture I sent you? Of those, Jay, yeah, I think I sent it by text.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Okay, guys, it's funny because I took them. We were in a, uh, in a casino, you know, one of those things where you win prizes. And if you look, I laid it out on one of the video poker machines <laughs> they had in this place.
1: Perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, thanks. We'll let you go to bed, Dr. Shark, but we All appreciate right, sure. you once again.
0: Yep. All right. Thank you, you guys. I'm looking forward to hear the rest of the show when it comes out.
1: <laughs> All right. Have a good night.
0: <laughs> yep. You too. Take care, guys. Bye. See you, buddy. Bye-bye.
1: So, Wolfman Josh, uh, back, uh, I guess, in our previous episode, or two episodes ago now, uh, we did did a review of uh, 47 Meters Down, and in that review, I was trying to kind of put forth my shark knowledge, or at least what I thought was shark knowledge, right? And I was trying to, uh, you know, cite shark facts that I had heard before, and Uh as, as it usually happens to me on this show, when I do that, some professional in the audience corrects me. And so this correction oh. comes from a found footage critic on Twitter at found footage fan and mm-hmm. um, found footage critic writes. Hi Jay. I Former
2: hope- guest of the show. Mm-hmm. He was on our found footage episode.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He said, um, hi Jay. I hope your recovery is moving along swimmingly. <laughs> he said, horrible 47 meters down pun. As you can tell, I caught your last podcast. Not many people know this, but among my advanced degree collection is a master's in marine science. Cool, right, Josh? That's neat.
2: Yeah, very so, cool. It
1: so sharks are believed to detect approximately one drop of blood in a volume of one billion drops of water, which equates to about one drop of blood in 14,000 gallons of water or about 53,000 liters. Since the film title uses the metric system, <laughs> this is about the size of a backyard swimming pool. This is impressive, but not epic. In order for sharks to detect blood in the water, the blood must reach their nose, which depends on a number of variables. How far, the, how far are the sharks from the victims? Have the victims drifted since entering the water? Are the sharks upstream or downstream? Has the tide shifted direction since the protagonists first entered the water? How fast is the tidal flow? I'll go on record as the found fish critic and say that <laughs> if all the conditions are right, it's technically plausible that the protagonist could survive an underwater bloodbath for quite some time without an unwelcome shark visit. Fantastic, he says. Wow, <laughs> so There's a lot of puns in this one. <laughs> I know, I I love it. It was uh yeah, very very punny. Now, it, so I I stand corrected then because one of my critiques of uh, Forty Seven Meters Down was how like the sharks just seemed to come and go at, at the screenwriter's behest and like they were just like this plot device that showed up when you needed them. And I just mm-hmm. I just was under the impression, Wolfman, that when sharks started in a feeding frenzy. You know, they basically ate there until everything was gone.
2: Well, you know, that documentary, Death Beach, actually described exactly what the found footage critic here has said, although they, I believe they said in one million. So he said billion. So I, either I heard them wrong or, or they got that statistic wrong or someone got that statistic wrong. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But uh, that's interesting because, you know, he says, oh, about the size of a backyard swimming pool. That's interesting because, you know, I did not do the math when I heard that statistic. and It sounds, as he says, very impressive when you hear that. You go, wow, that, that's very far reaching. But, um, but yeah, I get that. If, if, uh, if the ocean's moving or if, you know, the situation is not necessarily pushing that blood toward them, I can understand if they could um, potentially leave that situation i suppose i haven't seen the film so i i can't comment on directly what happens in that movie but um i think sharks get most of their information if i'm not mistaken through vibration Mm -hmm. that's how they sense like uh, someone struggling uh, first like uh, they hear a fish struggling that attracts them first and then the smell and then finally sight when they're pretty close like within like 10 feet
1: yeah interesting well, that's pretty cool, and also upsetting. I hope never to have something bleeding when I'm in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, all right. So um, now's where we start getting crazy on this show. So if people have made it with us this long, uh, it's going to start getting weird pretty fast. So if you, <laughs> this is called Shark Attack Volume One, and if if you're a fan of the Internet Movie Database as I am. Josh, are you one of those people who loves it or hates it? Like some people, it hates you. Hate it, okay. Well, yeah. Side note: Why is that? Just curious.
2: Well, it's a love hate relationship. You have to use it because it's the most thorough thing that exists, but it's frustrating because there are a lot of there's a lot of misinformation. Mm, that's true. I'm glad, as we mentioned on our first you know special features episode for our patrons they just recently took down the comments which was excellent that really actually improves my experience quite a bit because i hated those message boards that they had going there i mean just vile but uh, now that those are gone it's it's a little more pleasant but yeah it's it's a mixed bag i guess there are a few new people trying to kind of jockey for that position. One of them that people are using a lot more now is Letterboxd. Mm -hmm. Of course, it does not have the same depth and breadth as uh, IMDb. And then also you have um, Variety Insight, which is the new thing. But it's so much more expensive. Variety Insight is like thousands and thousands of dollars to have access to as opposed to like my IMDb Pro account or even regular IMDb, which is free. So, Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I see. Well, I I I I guess I mean our friend Dino always wants me to use uh Letterbox. I mean a lot of people do, but I just I I have this sentimental attachment to uh MDBA, as Joel calls it, but uh, right. <laughs> anyway, if you type in so leading into the next uh, film review here, if you type in the words shark attack, right? It brings up a list of uh, films, a little drop-down, a number of films, and a lot of these sound very crazy. So, for example, let me just read down through Three-Headed Shark Attack from 2015. You've got Attack of the Jurassic Shark, get it, Jurassic Shark from 2012, and then you got Two-Headed Shark Attack, 2012. Five-headed shark attack (laughs) from 2017, in case the two-headed shark attack or three-headed shark attacks weren't sufficient (laughs) for you. And then you have Jersey Shore shark attack from 2012. You got Malibu shark attack from 2009. Mm. And then you got Spring Break shark attack from 2005. But the one (laughs) on here, Josh, that I want to tell listeners about that they should know about um, is Shark Attack 3. Megalodon from 2002. Now, there are a couple things to be said about this movie. Number 1, it is a terrible movie, but if you're the kind of person who likes bad movies, if you enjoy like laughing about bad movies with your friends or showing them to people kind of as a joke, like if you get the uh, this is kind of fun actually. Josh like when you get to pick the movie, For a a gathering of friends and then you bring something wild and crazy. (laughs) This is a great one to get your friends mad at you and to laugh at. Shark Attack 3 Megalodon. Um, No, I don't believe I have seen the first Shark Attack and Shark Attack 2. But I have seen this puppy (laughs) right here. It's directed by uh, David Worth. And the premise is, when two researchers discover a colossal shark's tooth off the Mexican coast... Their worst fears surface. The most menacing beast to ever rule the waters is still alive and mercilessly feeding on anything that crosses its path. Now, mm. there are a couple reasons why this is um, kind of a hilarious film. Uh, number one, it's, it's pretty low budget, but I think it's somewhat inventive. Like, you can actually see some of the, the best scenes on YouTube. You can view this. Um, the the special the way the effects are done are just quite terrible, but they look so bad and so fake it's actually hilarious when you see it and and usually I don't think that stuff is hilarious, but this is one example of that but that's only a fraction of why this movie's funny. Uh, Shark Attack 3 Megalodon is funniest because of the dialogue. It has the weirdest script ever. And, um, honest to goodness, this is not an explicit show on iTunes, right? So, um, (laughs) but, but there is a, there is a line, I'm trying to think of how we could, um, uh, put this in there.
2: (laughs) There is a line. It's called bleeping. (laughs) Okay.
1: okay, Yeah. I'm right. Okay. So, um, here it is. You, I I almost don't even want to ruin it for people because, well, first of all, I'm not going to necessarily recommend that people watch this, but if you do watch it, Part of the fun is when this line happens, it comes out of the, out of left field, out of the clear blue sky, and it's like a punch in the face. Like, I remember my jaw dropped, and I've talked to other people who saw this film, and I'd always ask them about the line. Everybody knows the line in this movie, and and you're like, what? I mean, it's just insane. I mean, I mean this. I'll just kind of set it up for you. Maybe I won't reveal it. I'm, I'm sorry to be a teaser, but but basically, this girl is like tired, and then and then the guy kind of makes a pass at her, and he says something just very forward, but also hilarious. And you you remember the famous Samuel L. Jackson line on uh, "Snakes on a Plane"? His mother, snakes <laughs> yeah,
3: right. on his mother, plane. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. you,
1: well, you have like um, you, you know, that kind of stuff in this movie too. Anyway. Shark Attack 3 Megalodon is quite terrible. One time Andy, Andy and I over on a Movie Podcast Weekly, way before we even started podcasting, we had this blog which you participated in too, Josh. It's mm-hmm. called Considering yeah. the Cinema. And um we we actually discussed it on there. We did a little uh riff for a while on some of the worst movies that are out there. Now, I guess I should ask you, Josh, for, uh, before I keep rambling on, did you get a chance to see is, is shark attack three megalodon before?
2: <laughs> I did not have that opportunity. No, <laughs> unfortunately.
1: Okay. Well, I was just checking because it's one of those things that the, some people have seen and it's like, mm. I mean, I, I saw Sharktopus.
2: I don't know if it lives <laughs> up to that.
1: Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a very good question. Um, how could I know, to be honest? Anyway, I'm, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying. There's only one way to find out. Unfortunately,
2: neither of us are going to go down that road to find uh, out.
1: I, I don't think we are, to be honest. I just don't think we're going to do that. But um, I'm trying to see if I, I could find any comments on that. Apparently, I can't find it anymore. But uh, that was horrifying and a terrible movie. But this leads up this really, the I bring it up to set up this conversation, which is, even though, I, admittedly, I'm not a comedy horror guy. Everybody knows that. But I think some of the things that, that put the worst taste in my mouth, like the things I really dislike, are uh, shark comedy movies. Because like like Sharknado, for example. I, I mean, that's funny for like, what, five seconds? Like when you first hear about it, it's like, okay, shark's in a tornado. And, and that's kind of weird, right? It's kind of crazy, but then, like, how long is that funny for? And and so, the reason I think I have a problem with it is, I think sharks are so inherently scary. It's this primal fear that I have, and I and I would guess that most people have. And, and so, it almost like taints it or ruins it that you try to make this primal killing machine that is only designed to kill and eat. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and then they take it and kind of make it this silly thing. So what are your thoughts about them?
2: Um, I get your problem with it. I don't think you need to blame horror comedy because I think these okay. are, <laughs> these are a different thing. These are almost like n- knowing parodies. Um, I mean, I certainly, I guess it's in the comedy realm more than anything else, but it's, it's a, they're, they're, they're joke movies. You know, the, the, the joke of the film is not, there's nothing actually funny in the movie that you would find in a normal comedy. <laughs> the joke is that the movie is happening at all. The joke is right. that any of this stuff is actually on screen. That's the the comedy in the film. Mm-hmm, so uh, it's it's um absurdist comedy, I guess, is what it what it amounts to. And um, you know, like I said, I saw Sharktopus. <laughs> I saw that only because Ralph Garman was in it, and he had talked a lot about it on his podcast at the time that I was listening to at that time and uh, he he has the uh, the best line in that movie I believe which is damn you shark to <laughs> <And, laughs> you know you want that that would be fun to say
1: i have to admit. yeah. like and, in a film um, you know
2: i saw sharknado i believe because of you i thought you were i think you were the one that uh convinced me to watch sharknado oh yeah I d- I think we had a good time watching it. I mean, it's it's it was in some ways better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, like I actually I actually liked Ian Ziering in the film, mm-hmm. um, as I remember. But it's you know, it's goofy and it's unwatchable in a lot of ways. But I understand why films like this have their audience.
1: <laughs> well, let's come clean. To some
2: degree, I I think it's uh, it's it's done though. Like in my mind, Sharknado Two is far enough we it, don't need shark nato three in space we don't need three-headed exactly. shark attacks yes. you certainly don't need the movie i'm going to talk about which is called
1: avalanche sharks
2: <laughs> it's uh yes. terrible
1: thank you I, and i i have to agree with you and, and i should probably confess I do own Sharknado from 2013. There you go, and I and I do kind of like it a little bit. I mean, it's as you said, it's not really as bad. So, like, if the listeners out there have never seen Sharknado, it's not as bad as you're thinking it is. Like, and, and my son freaking loves it. And there are actually <laughs> a couple. <laughs> there are a couple of epic moments in this movie that are, you know, somewhat epic in a bad movie kind of way. But I I completely agree with you. That, yeah, once I think I started getting annoyed with Sharknado when they started making the sequels. And then I was really ticked off because when the first Sharknado, I'll tell you what, sold me on the first Sharknado. Not the fact that it was called Sharknado, but the fact that the tagline on the cover is, Enough said. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that cracks me up. That's hilarious. So, listeners, if you haven't seen Sharknado, and you want to put yourself through it, there are worse ways to spend your time, but you can watch it on Amazon Prime if you have Prime. It's You could stream it that way, Sharknado from 2013. But Josh, let's get down to it. Uh, you
2: know, I actually just remembered one of the mm-hmm. producers of Sharknado is a listener to this show, so maybe we should put the call I I'm, I'm forgetting which one it was, but if if you're listening now, please let us know Um, kind of what you're – Thought process is, you know, I, 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 think there are people who just like these absurdist movies. There's the Bigfoot versus zombies and all this stuff. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. Nazi zombies, even. I think, (laughs) you know, it's it's the same reason. You know, I think the one that we all liked was Dead Snow. Yes, and uh, and that's kind of a a prime example of when this absurdity is done well. I think it's just unfortunately usually done poorly and um and and i don't want to begrudge anyone who enjoys these movies if you like them of course
1: yeah of course i I could see that sure but like yeah and the other thing is you can't blame them too much because number one this is a tv movie and who's going to give you several million dollars to make a film called sharknado right you're not going to get a huge amount of money to make something like this but yeah the so I, I'm with you. I
2: don't even think they want a lot of money to make that movie because that's <laughs> the point is that it's bad. That's kind of the whole thing,
1: so. right? Yeah, it's it's intentional for sure. Okay, so you've got me very intrigued though with this um, avalanche sharks thing. But before you move into that, I I think like I've rated Shark Attack three before Megalodon. I'll just say, I mean that thing's like a two out of ten. I mean it's a, it's an avoid, but. If you want to watch something hilariously bad, it is so bad it's funny, so I'll say that much, but okay, Josh, tell us about Avalanche Sharks.
2: Again, I was just looking for a quality shark film to review for this episode, (laughs) and I came across Sand Sharks. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at Sand Sharks, and I'm thinking, what a stupid concept that is for a movie. (laughs) And as I was looking at that, you know, like they have on IMDb, they have those other little suggestions like pop up at the bottom, Mm -hmm. you know, of similar films. People who like this also liked, And they had like Dino Shark. And mega shark versus giant octopus, and then it had two movies called Snow Sharks, right? So there was a one called Snow Shark Ancient Snow Beast, and I thought that looks pretty bad. That one's from 2011, and then this one, which was originally called Snow Sharks and is now called Avalanche Sharks, and then I realized, oh, that's on Netflix right now. So that was the winner.
1: <laughs> Avalanche Sharks. The cover, I love actually.
2: Yeah, it's a great cover. It's actually, the cover's better than anything in the movie.
1: Okay. Because
2: you don't have that badass chick doing that move in the <laughs> in the movie. And you also don't have a shark that looks anything close to as good as that shark looks in the movie.
1: Mm, so, okay. Uh,
2: it's it's really one of those posters that oversells the film. But essentially what you have is a really bad kind of updated version of the ski resort sex comedy. We had a lot of those in the 80s and the and the 70s. This is the I'm sorry to use this word again. I normally don't say this this much, but the douchey <laughs> right. 2010s version of that, you know, snow bunny sex comedy that we, that we've all lo- love to hate. And um, all they do is they just add some killer sharks into it, but the sharks are under the snow come without warning. <laughs> oh, understay their welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and so you'll just have a scene where two people are talking and then suddenly, an icy shark just comes straight up out of the ground, eats the person, and the person disappears.
3: And that's that.
2: And that's often the end of the scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and, and as someone who's spent a lot of time in the snowy mountains, it's really frustrating to see, like, this is not powder. You can imagine a really cool... Not really cool, but at least visually interesting scene with a shark in s- making its way through snow. Cause you could say, oh, that could look really cool. It, it would move that snow around and that powder around, but this is hard pack snow that you get in like the California mountains, which is probably where they shot it. Okay. And it's all melty and slushy and then hard. So it's almost like cement essentially. Right. And, and these fins are cutting through it in a very improbable way when we do get the fin, which is rare because like I said, usually these just, just come straight up from under the ground.
1: I like there's how a, I like how your qualm is. Your your criticism is that they're uh the the snow is like the rougher kind of snow and it would be improbable for them to to swim through that <laughs> when
3: there's <they're laughs> sharks well, it's, it's in the mountains. Okay.
2: okay. So so in the yeah there are sharks in the mountains. In this movie, <laughs> the sharks are these ancient um kind of what do you call it prehistoric almost mythical creatures so okay. you know they're described in the film as kind of these prehistoric sharks but when you see them and the way that they appear is through magic so they so they are in a sense paranormal and so you can kind of buy into that um but <laughs> Can I don't you. know. I would like to if you're gonna you're gonna have a movie called Snow Sharks or Avalanche Sharks. Let me see a cool thing of a shark coming through the snow. Tremors does it so well. Tremors does hard ground monster underneath it seems like it would be in the water kind mm-hmm. of situation. yeah, and the way that it interacts with the dirt looks so great. And if they could have done anything even slightly like that here, that would have been interesting. But what they have is really bad CGI fin just sitting flatly on top of some (laughs) like mini DV footage of this (laughs) and like just going over some slushy hard pack snow is really disappointing. I mean, I don't know. Again, I wasn't expecting a lot, right? But I think where something like Sharknado is kind of interesting with Ian Zarian and, you know, and it's at least trying to tell something of a story. The, interstitial moments of this film are just unbearable um such bad writing such bad acting just i hate whoever the writers are like the types of people who are writing this drivel is just like the most icky you know the thing is is like look a lot of 80s horror movies (laughs) are all about like this very sexist kind of worldview. Mm-hmm. There's lots of boobies bouncing around, all that stuff. Right. We, we all take that as part and parcel with 80s horror. Right. But for some reason that just does not translate well for me to 2010s horror. It just feels really yeah.
1: exploitative and like, lame. And ugh. Josh is like, you're still doing that? anyway we're still we're still doing that like, like you know uh, it
2: yeah. just does it's it doesn't fit with the world we live in now i guess and so it just feels really kind of dated or something i don't know but it's it's bad anyway i guess um you. just very misogynistic is then mm-hmm. uh, just very dumbed down and just ham-fisted writing that is uh, poorly acted and shot so That's what we have with avalanche
1: sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will admit, I mean, along with the poster, that title avalanche sharks is pretty hilarious. So I could, I could see, I don't know.
2: Wouldn't it be be cool if there was an avalanche in the movie with the sharks coming through it or something? Yeah. That doesn't doesn't happen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and that's what I thought (laughs) we were getting because it's very Sharknado type sounding where you have a natural disaster that is sprinkled with sharks. You know.
2: Which is probably why they changed it to Avalanche Sharks from Snow Sharks so they realized, oh, let's put the natural disaster element into it. There's mm-hmm. a scene in the movie. Every okay, so first of all, I don't know if you've
1: ever really skied much, Jason. I don't think you have, right? Yeah, some, yeah, back east I did. Yes.
2: Okay, so if a friend goes missing on the mountain, you tell you tell the ski guys and they go look for them. In this movie, again, it's like right out of like a seventies thing where they're like yeah they're fine we're not looking for them we're too busy suntanning like no you're not that's not a thing that happens at ski resorts but then also (laughs) the friends rather than skiing through the mountains looking for their friends they walk they walk and they're wow they walk around looking for their friend at the ski (laughs) resort through the mountains.
1: that sounds smart
2: it's so dumb it just doesn't make any sense it would never happen and there's a a scene where, so the people who are being dispatched are being dispatched in really stupid ways, but there's there, it keeps returning to these girls in a hot tub. There's these bikini girls in the hot tub and it comes back to them every 10 minutes or so, just so you remember that they're there. Right. And I'm just going to go ahead and spoil this scene. Okay. We, we expect that if she gets out of the hot tub, she might get eaten by a snow shark, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Sure.
2: But it's instead what happens is the snow shark just comes up through the bottom of the hot tub. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it.
1: I knew it. That's actually <laughs> pretty some, brilliant.
2: Eats them right in the hot tub. And then di- again, just goes straight back down, and disappears. And here's the thing. Doesn't leave any kind of mark in the hot tub. Like the water doesn't rush out of the hot tub. Like, I don't know. There are ghost sharks potentially, but, I, don't, I just don't get what's happening.
1: Yeah, you would think it would burst a hole through the bottom in order to come yeah, up the through. the water
2: would run out, but clearly there wasn't the budget for that. They just had, it literally looks like the CGI version of someone drew a line drawing shark, come straight out of the ground, a <laughs> fake blood splatter, and then goes straight back down. <laughs>
1: Scott, Scott Wheeler's uh, Aunt Becky said, uh, you can use the hot tub, Scott, but don't break it. You know, so yeah. he couldn't destroy it. That <laughs> yeah. I see. I see. Wow. Avalanche shark. So on IMDB, like out of, um, about 1500 voters, it's got Mm -hmm. a 2.3 out of 10. What do you rate it, Josh?
2: Oh, I go under that. I would, I would like, so sometimes when I, there's a movie that I kind of like, I either want to maintain its score or bump it up just a little bit. So i like, if I'm voting on an IMDb or a Netflix, I might just give them, they've got two and a half stars. I might give them three stars to help them up there a little bit. Mm-hmm. If I was, if I was voting for this one, I on IMDb, which I will not do because I don't want to show it showing up on my history. I would vote down and give it the two star rating. So I'm going to give this one a two out of 10.
3: Ooh, okay. I'm
2: going to say it's strong avoid. And actually, I don't know why I'm giving it a two out of 10. You can actually talk to me into that. I'm, I'm let me retract that. I'm giving this a zero. And I'm saying avoid it.
1: <laughs> oh, wow, so nothing, nothing redeeming at all then. I okay. will
2: not be searching out Scott Wheeler's film MILF from 2010.
1: Yeah, right. Well, I, you know, I must admit, since you said that, I have to be really honest. I was looking at his filmography, and there is a there is a film called Sinkhole from 2013. <laughs> that kind of sounds like it's up my alley it's got a really low rating but josh it says a group of teenagers get trapped in a sinkhole and have to fight for their lives it shows a school bus kind of down in this hole and, let me um,
2: be honest as well i'm looking at the poster for his film attack of the killer donuts that is a rad poster <laughs> <laughs> we've eaten them for years now it's their turn
1: oh let me and see that,
2: that is a beautiful poster
1: Comedy horror. Yeah, there it is. Attack of the Killer Donuts from 2016. I wonder so, how like, How do we get our hands on that?
2: I'm going to track it down and I'll let you know.
1: Okay. Oh, my goodness.
3: Well. Do
2: not let me know if you get a hold of a sinkhole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I have to. That sounds like a survival horror situation. I have to check it out. It's like a compulsion of mine. All right. Thanks for uh, taking one for the team and reviewing Avalanche Sharks. I'm sure that uh, somebody had to do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and Keith Shaw, who is the terrible writer of this film, is also the writer of Malibu Shark Attack. the previously mentioned Malibu Shark Attack. So,
1: Oh, okay. There you go. So that maybe gives you a little heads up on that one. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I have one to talk to you about this briefly. I, I bet you actually... Probably most of the community is familiar with this, so I'll I'll be kind of brief on it. This is called Shark Night 3D from 2011. And the first thing I just want to say about this, because I never get to say this, is way back in episode 40, when I was like traveling across the country, I was doing my thing that I do, Josh, where I stop and look at the $5 bins, and I was like taking pictures and actually recording... Um, all the different horror films I was finding at gas stations across the country. That's still one of my yeah. favorite episodes because uh, I just, I just love. I don't know. I it, it was kind of weird, but I just love it. And 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 so, so I see here in the show notes for that when I stopped in Coralville, Iowa, there was a gas station there called the Come and Go K U M and Go.
3: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. Right. And um, one of the uh, among the films that they had there was a Shark Knight 3D 2011. And if people are curious, they also had Dark Skies, My Soul to Take, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, Piranha 3D, The Tall Man, and Apollo 18. Just saying.
2: All of the classics.
1: Yeah, they were all there in the same place. Love it. Anyways, I, I saw Shark Night uh, 3D. I think a lot of people did. I did not see it in 3D, however. This is a PG-13 film. The uh, the poster art on this is actually quite good. If you check that out, that looks pretty freaky. Okay, and um, the premise is simple: you've got uh, it's a weekend at a lake house in the Louisiana Gulf, turns into a nightmare for seven vacationers as they are subjected to shark attacks. Okay, and this stars Sarah Paxton. I'm actually a fan of Sarah Paxson's. What about you? No,
2: um, I'm not sure I'm familiar with Sarah Paxson.
1: What would I have seen her in? Let's see. She's in the innkeepers in the last house on oh, the left. Yeah. And I believe oh, yeah. um, if I'm not mistaken, um, cheap thrills. Yeah. She's also like, the mysterious gal in cheap thrills. That was, I yeah. dig her. So anyway, this movie is one of those where, you know, it's not fantastic, but I would, i I would call it, just moderately entertaining. It was one of those things that I got from Redbox, if I'm not mistaken. And I I actually was not displeased when I saw it. So, um I I think maybe one of the most notable things about this is even though it takes place next to the Gulf, um it it you know they they are kind of go down this these channels or rivers. I I don't know about uh water geography, but you know this shark this this shark can get them basically in in the river as well, which I think is kind of cool. So I think it's okay. I I forget what I rated it, but it was like a five point five or a six. So I'd call it a rental. So if you want something that's a little more up to date, you know, that looks like I mean, I actually liked it better than Forty Seven Meters Down. I'll tell you that much personally. Even though yeah. and, and Forty Seven Meters Down is really my cup of tea, to be honest. But it's not better than something like The Shallows, for instance. So
2: not a... I've been seen some pushback on your forty-seven meters down review, by the way.
1: Oh yeah. I'm excited for you to see that movie then. Yeah.
2: I mean, I would have seen honestly, had you not reviewed it when you did, I'd have watched it for this week, but I didn't want to be that redundant, so I just wasn't going to oh, okay. do the exact same movie, you know.
1: Okay. Yeah. I well... will
2: get around to it now. But you know how it is with the podcast, it's kind of like I have to also prioritize my movies that I watch based on what we're reviewing. So
1: yeah, totally, I get it. I know how it is. Well, so that's uh, Shark Knight 3D. I know a lot of people didn't like this, but it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. And and it turns out, Josh. I mean, like like many things that we've seen here um, in some of our themed episodes, as we get you know watching a bunch of a certain theme, we, you know, there have been a couple times when we said. You know, there really aren't that many great movies of this particular sub sub genre or whatever it is. And um with the shark movies, there aren't a lot that are great. I I would say it's about I don't know. I appreciate about half of them. And so this would be in the half that I appreciate. So I'm going to give this a 5.5 and I call it like a rental. So there you go. All right, Wolfman, you're going to be talking about one that I've been excited to hear about for a long time, and that is uh, Dark Tide, right?
2: Yeah, I'll talk about Dark Tide now. So this was another one, you know, as I mentioned many, many times, looking for a decent shark movie to review. (laughs) This one had terrible reviews on line; has a 23% on Metacritic. And so it was actually the the worst reviewed of the films I was looking at, but I ultimately, I was just like, Holly Berry's in it. You know, I, I'm not a huge Holly Berry fan, but I thought she can't, you know, she's a movie star. She's not going to be something that's just awful. Obviously having forgotten about Catwoman, but, um,
1: <laughs> right.
2: She, she doesn't have a actually, a very strong track record. She, she does not make great decisions when she's picking her movies. Whoever her agent is, is not the best, but I do think she's a good actress. Mm hmm. And so I, I give this one a shot and it's directed by John Stockwell. Now it turns out I'm actually a huge John Stockwell fan from one of his movies. Okay. Um, I am, I am a major, major fan of blue crush and I'm, that's probably not cool to admit cause it's kind of like a chick flicky <laughs> surfer movie, mm-hmm. but it's actually one of the best surfer movies. Like it's like a top, it's a top 10 for sure. Maybe a top five fictional movies about surfing. So mm-hmm. I, I I really appreciate that movie. Um he did Into the Blue a few years later, which was not good.
1: <laughs> but uh, two beautiful people in that film with uh yeah,
2: they're uh, not my type. And oh they're then, not your type. Okay. No. But fair and enough. And then he did Turistas, which I actually quite like Turistas. So I, I thought it. between Touristas and Blue Crush you know this might be good. You know if it's if it is a horror movie. You know I, I like Teresa. This could be this could be good. He knows his underwater work. Even in Into the Blue, it's not a well written or acted film, but it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty similar with Dark Tide. I would say this is a gorgeous film. Of all the movies that I saw, this is the best shot for sure. The cinematography in this film is beautiful it's like every shot takes place at sunset and you know just shooting it just right and um the cinematography and the the cinematographer's name is jean-francois Hensgens.
1: Mm, okay
2: okay um and anyway he he does an incredible job i don't know him by name but i i was very impressed with him i'd love to see any of his other work. He, he just did a magnificent job. The story here is that Holly Berry and Oliver Martinez are an estranged couple. They are still married, but have been separated. And Oliver Martinez is an underwater photographer, filmmaker. And uh, Holly Berry is the shark whisper. Essentially. She mm-hmm. swims with sharks and he is trying to make a film about her And he is trying to kind of make a film about her being the first person to really swim with great white sharks and be fine. And so that's how the film begins. There's a terrible accident and kind of classic horror movie tradition. It ends with a, it begins with a kill. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to the future where they have now, as I said, been separated for a while and he brings to her a, wealthy client who wants to go out and swim with these sharks he's been showing this footage of her around kind of against her will she has completely left the shark world is now giving like seal and dolphin tours and uh, <laughs> um she, you know and he wants her to just go on one last trip kind of a thing nobody says you know i want you to, i want you to take this rich guy out he's willing to pay a hundred thousand dollars and fix up your boat and you need it you're not making any money on your tours anymore So he convinces her to take this guy out on the water against her better judgment. Right. And she is going to decide in the moment whether or not she's going to allow him to get out of the cage or not. She's basically saying, you're agreeing to come without guarantee that you're getting out of the cage. And Oliver Martinez says, don't worry. Let's just get her out on the water. I'll talk her into it.
3: Oh, of
1: course. Of course. I could could see I could see nothing going wrong in that situation (laughs) right
2: so so the film you know they take her he she takes him around to a couple of um low action spots let's say and they don't really see what they're going for eventually they do kind of see some sharks but it's not what he wants to see and he's kind of like hey I want to I want to take this up a notch and meanwhile she is just disintegrating emotionally. She's having a really rough time dealing with her husband, almost like her ex-husband, but they are, as I said, still married, but they're, they are at each other's throats on this boat. And the, the man who has rented the boat is also brought his son with him and they're at each other's throats. And so there's a lot of high tensions between the people on this, this three hour tour. And, (laughs) and, and, eventually like um, it's kind of a weird thing. Like she's like, you want to see some sharks? I'll take you and see some sharks. <laughs> and it's kind of like, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, you know what? Even if, <laughs> if I were him, I'd be like, we're good. Never mind. I don't, and everyone's yelling at him like his son's yelling at him, Get in the water. Get in the water without a cage. Come on. I thought you were so tough. And it's kind of like, It seems like everyone on the <laughs> boat wants me dead. I don't think I'm going to get in the water. Like, let's all calm down and yeah. then maybe we'll talk about getting in the water. But I don't think you ever want to climb into shark infested waters when everyone on the boat's screaming at you, essentially daring you right. to take your life by getting in the water with sharks.
1: I agree. Yeah, that sounds um, ill advised. It-
2: Anyway, it doesn't go well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't say.
2: <laughs> but it's not a bad movie. I think one of the, my problems with it is that a couple of the shark attacks take place at night, and those night shots is as much as I complimented the photography. It is pitch black; like you cannot see anything. I it, hate that. It, it, it was like the screen was almost pure black for like ten minutes of the first it was kind of a slasher kill because it's it's like a shark attack that doesn't have anything to do with any of our characters but they just stick it in there to kind of like give us that Mm
1: -hmm. that death scene set the tone yeah
2: yeah and but literally you can't see it there's a an african American or african gentleman Mm -hmm. in a black diving suit at night in dark water like you can't see anything and there are no lights Uh, there's no moon it's like a moonless night like it's like what am I looking at right now? All I see is darkness. I see nothing. And um that was the first big shark attack scene and then yeah, later in the film the, whole, the entire ending is at night as well.
1: So that's oh, a little bit frustrating. That, now see that right there alone makes me not want to watch this. Yeah. Unfortunately.
2: But it was it was it was not terrible and um it was really the script that was the worst. But again, following up Avalanche Sharks
3: right I feel like
2: it feels like oscar-winning material you yeah, know like, the,
1: the citizen Kane of shark movies
2: yeah i mean really it's it's all subjective it's all yes. it's all depends on what you've watched most recently so mm-hmm. it's a fine it's a fine movie it's more in the thriller category it could have easily pushed it into harder horror and kind of just didn't and i don't and i'm not sure why but there's it's some there's some scary tense moments beautiful photography it's got some really cool moments I, I mentioned this very early in the show but i love the moment where she's swimming with the seals it's a really awesome scene it just looks great i mean it just looks incredible it's like nothing i'd really seen before so i typically like john stockwell but i have not seen the majority of his movies so at this point is you know the scales are starting to tip the other direction but um i would- give dark tide uh i'm I'm between five and six so i'm gonna go 5.5 okay it's called a low priority rental it is streaming for free on netflix if you have that service so um there are worse shark movies you can watch on netflix right now every other one i've talked about that's streaming on netflix is worse than this one so there you go
1: (laughs) okay that's dark tide from 2012 josh says it's a 5.5 and a low priority rental Okay, yeah. and and I'm just curious. So you did catch up with the shallows, right? I, I did want to hear at least your thoughts on that a little bit, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, I did watch it, and I was going to feature review it, but again, it's like we'd done it so much that I just I, I wanted to give our listeners something fresh. So I, I I had seen it after you know before to make my year end list. It didn't make my list, but I wanted to see it before I made my list, and I rewatched it for this episode, but avoiding kind of doing a feature review to give you my take on, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. And I think it has the problem of what we have talked about during our jaws discussion of it's just one facet or maybe even two facets of the shark experience. Mm-hmm. But when there is one jaws exists, then it just feels not like not much happens. You, you think like it's, it's, it's everything that's done is done pretty well, but you feel in a lot of these shark movies, like they're just stretching for time mm-hmm. because there aren't too many scenarios that can play out and they only have a couple that they're going to go for. And so a lot of the rest of that time is stretching. Now, the side effect of that is something I actually appreciate quite a great deal is that these movies have more tension than a lot of modern horror films Mm
3: -hmm. because they are
2: stretching so much. So I actually quite enjoy that about these films. But like a film like Dark Tide, it's not stretching out. It feels stretched out, but it, the, there's no tension built during that. It's just, that took a very long time to get to 38 minutes when something happens. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Whereas with the Shallows, I feel like it does actually do a great job of building tension. I just feel like it's a little bit slight. Like there's, it, it feels like it needs another element to me, you know, because I think what happens is just not quite enough to hang your hat on, in my opinion. I mean, I like it. I like everything that's on there. I think her performance is good. Mm-hmm. I think it's in a gorgeous location. I like the backstory of her character, why she's there. I like the kind of twist that you alluded to that, um, is the, the thing that's driving the action in the film.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh,
2: that's great. I don't like the way the shark looks. It looks a little CGI to me. That's a big detractor for me.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, it's a big detractor especially when you have so little going on the film like you you have very few things to get right like get that right um and (laughs) and i just and i just did feel like it it didn't have enough happening for for my taste but i i liked it It, i would buy this actually Mm -hmm. i would call the shallows a 7.5 okay and I would say it's worth picking up the DVD if you find it on
1: a good deal. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like um, modern shark fare, I mean, I think it's one of the better films. I was this. Disab-
2: it, it might be in the top ten shark movies, frankly. <laughs> yeah,
1: but- honestly, that's true. But I was surprised that um, you know, because cause when I first saw it, I loved it, and then when I when I gave it a second watch because I saw it twice, the second time was like. You know, a lot had been taken away. I lost a lot on the second viewing.
2: hold on. Now, hold on, Jay, because Mm -hmm. I did go back to your and Dave's ratings when I Mm -hmm. was preparing for this episode, and I did notice that your second viewing was on someone else's screen on an airplane. So, it wasn't even your (laughs) screen. You're watching the lady in front of you's screen on an airplane. So, obviously, without sound. And so, I don't know if that Well,
1: okay. That's true. But let me just say, I mean, how bored are you on an airplane right pretty bored and so like if 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 the lovely and beautiful entertainment of the shallows which is a gorgeous looking film like I was just like very you know ho-hum about it the second time and I was shocked because I remember how much fun I had the first time
2: you Maybe can't was, see your ho-hum about a movie that you're watching from 10 feet away on a three-inch screen without audio.
1: <laughs> I, I was like five feet away, and it was on a laptop, I'll have you know. And um, and I had seen the film once. It's not like it was my initial viewing, and I was rating it on that, but I was like...
2: I just don't, I'm, I'm going to just say, I'm, tell, I'm saying from my point of view, that does not count as a second viewing. That's all
1: <laughs> Okay, well, fair enough. Okay, you don't have to call it a second viewing, but I will say judging from that i probably won't be seeing the shallows for quite a long time even though i loved it the first time
2: i hear you but like if i had it is one that i would show other people if they wanted to see a a good shark movie they hadn't seen as we've talked about this episode there aren't a lot of great ones and so if someone's like what's a good shark movie out there this is one of the ones on my list now yeah i mean dark tide is one of the ones on my list and i didn't (laughs) even like it and it's a 5.5 you know what i mean so
1: it's lack That's of options, right. and yeah. in, in some degree, I mean, it's like, hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, there are just a, maybe the listeners are yelling at this point, but like, there are other shark movies which we oh, do appreciate. That well, I'm telling them this that yeah. that we're not covering on this episode, and so we're going to save yeah. them for future volumes of this. So that yeah. you know, it's not like we're like, well, oh, this is it, and not all these are great, you know. So.
2: No, I saw, yeah, it was one of those that people seem to like a lot was The Reef. Um, And Dave had already reviewed it on the show in Mm -hmm. the past, and you had name dropped and kind of mini-reviewed it during our Australian episode. So, again, just because it had been done so much, I decided to not – feature that on this episode so i haven't seen the reef yet but i'm looking forward to watching it. i'll probably watch it for the next year's yes shark attack episodes so.
1: yeah and see that's one i really love but um honestly i think a lot of people and i won't say much about it now i'll save it i think a lot of people will be bored with that but i actually really love the reef 2010 all right well let's um move into the final review of the night then uh wolfman josh's feature review of open water
4: other people go on vacations and Spend their days just laying around. We have a story we're gonna be telling for the rest of our lives.
3: Daniel, where's the boat? That's
1: a good question.
3: As we are stuck in the middle of the ocean. Oh God. Oh. Oh, it's
2: okay. Okay, open water is a twenty. 2003 film I'm so used to saying 20 now that's it's weird to go back to 20 2003 film by Chris Kentis and it is an interesting one it's it's kind of the mini DV era of filmmaking and so this is a film where the filmmakers just said, hey, we've got a mini-DV camera, let's go shoot a movie. And they shot it in the style that would, that would almost make you think it's found footage at first. It's something we're very used to seeing. It's a look we're very used to seeing in found footage movies, but it's not a found footage movie. And so it's a little bit jarring at first in the era that we're in now where we've seen so many found footage movies and having a bit of remove from that mini dv look in any other format you know mm-hmm. but but it it is it's just a straight ahead narrative shot on mini dv it looks pretty good for what it is it's a story of apparently based on true events or inspired by the true events of two scuba divers who uh, are on vacation and they go on a shark dive and then their tour bo- boat takes off and leaves them in the water and so they're kind of just stranded out in the middle of nowhere and uh, much of the movie is just the two main actors just floating there mm-hmm. talking that's played by blanchard ryan and daniel Travis. And they just float in the water for much of the film. And <laughs> um, this is one of those films that got su- surprisingly good reviews when it came out, and then it got a huge amount of backlash because a lot of people who probably wouldn't normally go see a movie like this went and saw it. It got a wide because it, because it got the surprise kind of wide release and high critical praise. And then everyone was like, well, that was, that sucked. And so it was kind of almost like, I liken it to paranormal activity
3: mm-hmm. it
2: was a very similar where the level of acting, is not quite at the level you would expect. The level of cinematography is not quite at the level of res- You would expect for a film that's getting such wide distribution and advertising and marketing and everything, but it's good. And it, it's, and like paranormal activity, it succeeds despite those thing those drawbacks, because it just feels real, you know. There, yes. there's not amazing writing here necessarily. There's not amazing cinematography here necessarily. There's some. There are a few cool shots, but it's not pretty to look at for the most part. Well, but uh, so on, I mean, I don't, I don't think the actors are spectacular either. But it's they're good enough. All of those elements are good enough that the realism that you're thrown into really works.
1: Well, on those two fronts, though, like. So, you know, you have two divers in the water and we see their heads sticking out. I don't think there's like a ton that can be done with cinematography that wouldn't take away from making it look documentary style. You know what I mean? If they got really flashy and fancy with the camera and went underwater. and I mean, because part of the reason this film works is because you're not seeing underwater just like them. You don't know what's under there. And, right. and so, I mean, that's one thing. And then the dialogue, I thought, had a, a realism to it. Because if you were just stuck in this situation, you would have a pretty single-minded focus. And, and your your conversations wouldn't be all that illuminating. You know what I mean? So, I, I felt like all that lended to the film.
2: Yeah, and the and the, I will mention to people, if you haven't seen this before and you decide to check it out for the first time. The acting at the
1: beginning
2: is way worse yes. than it gets eventually like the first few scenes you're just like oh no
1: yes correct
2: oh, this is gonna be bad and it you know it i wouldn't say it gets a lot better but it gets watchable and it's not really watchable at first it's just kind of like holy cow what am i seeing yeah the and then eventually rough. You're like you ease into it and <laughs> And it gets better. The actors get a bit better. And, and again, just the realism of that situation gets better. It goes the cinematography. Look, I think you could, I think, you know, we know that classic shot from the beginning of jaws where the girls in the water and the cameras coming up under her legs. It's so simple, but so effective, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, and I think you could class this up a lot just by having a better camera and a real cinematographer and a few other options for, um, you know, boats and underwater housing and things that could make this much more effective. But I think it's fine as it is. And it is, it is what it is. And like Blair Witch Project, I think that's another film to compare this to. Although I think Blair Witch Project is better and works a lot better on its own terms than this does. It, it spawns essentially a franchise from a movie that no one would ever anticipate would do such a thing, you know? Like it, it really has. It really is very similar to Blur Witch in the sense that um, it's this lo-fi presentation and it's really just people talking and having real conversations and relationships breaking down and building back up and you know real human interaction and then tragedy or horror. And so um, that, that's it's, it. It kind of succeeds in spite of itself, is the is what I would say. <laughs> well but i like i like it i actually quite like it a lot
1: now speaking of rewatchability i've actually i've probably i love this film i'm nuts about it it's my kind of movie for sure i've probably seen it like three or four times and yeah and, and what's weird i totally agree with you on the beginning the beginning is rough but um it it has always each time i've seen it it hasn't decreased in its impact. I think it's effective. I'm always scared when I'm watching it and kind of shaken up by it. So, I mean, I can get Josh why like why some people are very critical of this film. They think it's totally boring and blah blah blah. But, but not me, man. I mean, I think I, I. I mean, what situation seriously would be scarier than this? I I can't even think of too many real life situations that I would want to be in like, um, less than this one.
2: <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I mean, maybe open water to Adrift.
1: drift. <laughs> oh man. Now you're talking that that's, that's one of my all time favorite horror films. That's probably in my top 25. I've said that a few times. Um, so, you know, not as much of a shark movie though, as this one. So, yeah. you know, I will but say what that. I
2: love about the sequels to open water, which we know about, Adrift and what we're learning about Cage Dive is that these were both films that were made outside the open water franchise, but just in a kind of a similar style and were close enough that the producers were like, hey, let's buy that up and rebrand it as an open water movie. And so, actually, Adrift and Cage Dive, neither of those were initially conceived as sequels Mm -hmm. or to be part of the open water franchise, they were just acquired and then repackaged which i think is brilliant and i think it speaks to kind of the simplicity and um effectiveness of what these films do you know it's just about people in terrible situations and Mm -hmm. you know i was talking to my wife earlier this week because we were talking about screenwriting and she's like man is, is is writing like the most important element she was kind of coming to that realization for herself you know and i and i I kind of bang that drum a lot because I, although I think every element is important in film, especially as a, as a visual medium, but I do think writing, if I had to like single out one thing, I think you can really see films that succeed just on the strength of their writing. And it's rare that you see a film succeed just on the strength of its audio or just on the strength of its acting or just on the strength of its wardrobe
3: yeah.
2: or, you know, and so I, I think open water is one that succeeds, on the strength of kind of its premise. Mm-hmm. If I can say that, I think yeah. the premise is so strong and the commitment to realism is so strong that although it suffers
1: in some of those other elements, it still works. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I love the way you said that.
2: So anyway, I mean, that's kind of my general take on open water. I was surprised that it held up. I, I watched it several times when it first came out and it was one where I would try to show it to people or, or maybe defend it to people who were taking part of that backlash against the film, but it's what I have not revisited in many, many years. So it was interesting to revisit it now, maybe 10 years later, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And from the first, from the last time I saw it and, um, and it still holds up. I mean, the cinema, the, the, the camera work looks a much worse to me now than it did then.
3: True. Because okay. even
2: prosumer cameras now are HD. I mean, even your iPhone, takes better images than this movie has you know yeah you could you could you could shoot a movie that looks gorgeous on your iphone compared to open water but (laughs) um and and again the acting was a little bit worse than i remembered particularly in the opening but um this movie still works The, Mm -hmm. the mechanics of it still work the premise still works the situation still works and i was surprised how well it held up for me
1: Well, and and I love these, I'm big on these single location survival horror movies. I often call it the perishable predicament where uh, people are stuck in a dangerous situation that becomes even more deadly the longer they're stuck there. And I think of all the perishable predicament movies, I think this is one of those that is the top among like me feeling the most dread as a viewer. Like it's like... like, when you watch this, I, it really works upon you. And there's something about, uh, like, uh, let's just say Frozen, for example, Adam Green's Frozen, which I know a lot of people don't love that movie, and that's fine. But, like, when they're stuck up on the ski lift, I I don't think as much about their demise. I mean, it's like, yeah, you're on the ski lift, you're pretty high up, but it, you, you can work this out. I mean, you could figure out a way, come on, you you're going to be able to, you know, I mean, I always think... You always think of yourself, what would I do in this situation? And then when you think well,
2: of your, Frozen gives you more options, right? So like that, that's, the that's what I'm getting about. at. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're exactly. Go ahead. You run with it. I, I agree 100%. That's where I was going. Go for it.
2: Well, I think Frozen's easier to criticize because there you start running scenarios like you're saying and you can imagine ways you can get out of it. Yes. And like, you know, and I have been critical of that movie simply because I worked at a ski resort. So I know just a, a titch more than the average person about, uh, <laughs> you, you know, working a, a ski lift. Yes. But but I like that movie as well. We both like the movie. Mm-hmm. Open water, though, puts you in a position where there's really nothing to do. Like there's nothing you can do. Yes. And. And there's, n- you can't criticize his characters because what in the world are you supposed to do? There's no way out of this.
1: Exactly. And and that's why I think it's so powerful. The dread and the doom in this is just overwhelming because when you're in this, like, first of all, I always really relate to the characters. I put myself in their position and I do. I have this weird emotional experience where I connect with the characters and what's really like just devastating to me at every time I watch this film, uh, is when I'm in this position with them, you start thinking about the things that, um, I mean, they try to get to this in, in, in frozen, like when she's talking about feeding her puppy or whatever, my puppy's going to be hungry. You think about all the ways your life is going to be, interrupted if you die and and everybody who's depending on you everything that's up in the air the, your loved ones you start thinking about all of that coming to an end because you're coming to an end and and that's that's why that movie is so effective for me i i just think it's haunting and powerful and oh, i i'm nuts about this movie
2: yeah and the and the couple in the film is going through some stuff too that's that that actually works really well the mm-hmm. More than you would think it would in the situation they're in, but they're, they're dealing with, this might be the end, you know? And so their things come out in their relationship that I think are really speak to anyone who's been in like a long-term relationship or you can like really empathize oh, or. Or get in the headspace of that.
1: I agree with that too, Josh. I credit all of that drama side of it to writer-director Chris Kentis. Because as we were just mentioning, there's nothing you can do in this situation. So if you think about what kind of screenwriting challenge this must be. I mean, it reminds me of that Ryan Reynolds movie Buried. It's like, okay, he's stuck, buried underground. He's stuck in a box. And that's it. And that's that's all you have. And so they're just stuck in the water. They have a little bit more wiggle room, I guess. literally and figuratively but i think that chris Kentis is building on the stuff you were just talking about with their relationship i think that's mm-hmm. what helps to make it work but uh can before we wrap up on this can we talk about a little bit of like external feedback um so so last year when i was in indiana uh for our meetup i had the pleasure of meeting a geek cast rise father his dad um I always say his name wrong. Kevin. (laughs) I always want to call him Keith. Anyway, Ryan, (laughs) Ryan's dad is this awesome guy, just like Ryan. And he knows that we love movies and stuff. And, and he actually listens to podcasts on the network. Just super cool guy. And he, he was like, I can't believe he called me out. Right. The right when I met him, he's like, I can't believe you like that movie open water. I'm like, Oh, I love it. I'm like, you don't love it. And he said, let me tell you a story about when I went to see that. <laughs> when he went to see that, he hated it so much that he walked out of the theater. He and um and I hope I'm getting all these details right. I think he demanded his money back, but what, the big thing he did is he stood outside the theater like a an end of times proselytizer and he was like telling people not to go see it like making a scene outside the theater no kidding <laughs> and i'm cracking up right and he's like what movie are you going to see are you are you going to see open water and and then like if they'd say yeah he's like don't do it uh, trust me don't do it it's terrible and, and and like they actually the theater called the cops on him and the cops came by and um they were like uh, you know, you, you can't do this. And he's like, yeah, but have you seen open water? It's that bad. And they're like, we don't care, you know, move along, you know? So anyway, he really hated it, but I, I can't, I just can't, I can't get that. So anyway, we, we disagree strongly on that. We but I mean,
2: that was, that was common. And again, because I think what you had happen was it's not for everybody. I mean, I'm going to say that I don't think this is a movie for everybody. You That's have to true. be in the right mindset and be willing to watch a movie that looks, like this and not everyone is um, just like not everyone's willing to watch avalanche sharks but there <laughs> there's an audience for it, you know yes I mean I'm not to compare the two films Jay I'm sorry that that, that was probably painful but yeah be careful <laughs> but I think but I but I really think you have this movie that was getting critically praised and it was a huge success the movie had a small budget I'm seeing here uh, arrow in the head joblow.com dot com they're saying five hundred thousand dollar budget that seems high
1: <laughs> yeah, really. I
2: would have thought it was like a hundred thousand dollar budget or something like that. Um, but he, but it made 55 million at the box office. So it's a huge success for its budget and, um, and it's getting praised by the critics. And so I think people were just really underwhelmed when they went and saw it because it is a movie where you're waiting. A lot of the time you're just sitting a lot of the time you're with these characters in and you're stuck. And so not everyone is up for that. And so I get the backlash. I get why Ryan's dad. Well, maybe not that seems extreme, but I get, I, I am <laughs> familiar with that kind of reaction to this movie. Um, but I think if you're into it and if you like these survival horror movies, that Jay likes, you're going to like this one as well.
1: Oh, for sure. And one of the, I, I think one of the most telling, uh, you know, feedback, or reviews, was um, my hero, Roger Ebert. And we all know that he hasn't always received horror very well. But I really like the way that he talks about this in the opening paragraph from his review. I'll just read it real quick. He says, Rarely, but sometimes, a movie can have an actual physical effect on you. It gets under your defenses and sidesteps the it's only a movie reflex and creates a visceral feeling that might as well be real. Open water had that effect on me. So did touching the void the mountain climbing movie from earlier in 2004. After both movies were over, I felt the need to go outside and walk in the sunshine and try to cheer myself up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's beautiful. But
2: you know, and, and people are going to, if you do like go over the rotten tomatoes, which I don't recommend, but I do talk about it on every episode. So I, I do need to figure out, that thing that I do where I hate Rotten Tomatoes, but I always mention Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it has a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good, but not not amazing or anything. Mm-hmm. But but what you'll see is that you just have all these critics who would normally not give a movie like this the time of day. There's no way that Entertainment Weekly gives horror movies these kinds of reviews. There's no, You know what I mean? And right. so that, that's the thing that's amazing about it is it's getting people from CNN saying, t- saying the unforgiving power of nature are all on display to amazing and frightening effect or entertainment weekly says becomes a slow and steady descent into pure fear. I mean, these are really great reviews from top critics who normally are not, don't care about horror and don't give it the credit that it usually deserves. So that's, mm-hmm. that was happening. And I think, um, yeah, and I think it, unfortunately that comes with backlash as well.
1: Well, and to come full circle in this Wolfman Josh, like it, if you go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, when you talk about uh, okay, what can you do exactly in a shark movie? There's not much to it. Well, I love what I love about Open Water, and what I think is very effective is it actually um, wields the power, or it like. It captures in its hands somehow (laughs) that that primal fear of being scared to death that you're going to be devoured by sharks. And that's really all there is to it. It it only has and only capitalizes on that one thing. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, other elements to it. So I think in the fact that I mean, people criticize it for it's like, you know, it's so simplistic or boring or whatever, you know. But to me, I mean, I think that's some of its greatest power is it's so focused that way. Anyways. Yep. Um, <laughs> you, want to move, you want to move in the ratings on this one?
2: Yeah. Um, I'll let you go last since you love this movie. I call okay. this a six, but I also call it a buy it. I think it's worth owning and it's one to show people, like I mentioned with The Shallows, this is one to show people who haven't, who haven't seen it and uh, it's a fun one for that kind of situation. I also think it's one of the top 10 shark movies. And again, arguably the top five, I think there aren't a lot of great ones. This does something different. It, I think it lacks for me on all the ways I've mentioned. Plus this lack of facets, it's not, there's, there's not much going on here. And so I understand why some people are bored by that. I don't think it's boring necessarily, but like with the shallows, I'd have liked it if there had been more. And so um, that, that is the, one of the detractors for me, but it's a great movie and it's a little movie that could kind of movie, which I always appreciate. So
1: mm-hmm. I'd say, but I'd say buy it. Oh, great. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, so I'll, I'll just put it all out there right now. I'll tell you right now behind Jaws, which obviously is my number one shark movie. If we are doing a shark list, this is my number two Greatest shark movie right behind Jaws. Greatest shark horror movie for sure. This is a 9 out of 10 for me. I think it's a buy. Definitely for me. I own it. And, uh, you know, I can understand. Like you said, I think you spoke well when you said, you know, this really isn't for everybody. And I can understand that. Like Ryan's dad and so forth. But, man, to me, this is survival horror at its finest. Just primal, uh, scary, (laughs) freaky stuff love it nine out of ten buy it
2: i i haven't seen it obviously so i can't really comment on it but i am just shocked that you didn't like 47 meters down more than you did knowing that you like the reef and open water and you know the shallows and all, everything you're saying about all these movies mm-hmm. i'm just surprised
1: i'm yeah. Really surprised yeah absolutely and and there's a big there's a big reason for that and after you see it maybe we could do a spoiler discussion or something like that, or, and maybe next year's episode, you know, we'll, we'll get into it more in depth, but that, that movie has, um, so many aspects of disappointment to me. And, um, Sorry for the listeners out there who loved it. But anyways, <laughs>
2: I, this is a weird episode. This is has turned into a kind of a weird episode, but I just to make it even weirder, let's talk about movie titles for just a minute. I know that we've talked about this. I think on movie podcast weekly, how you hate it when a movie has a bunch of multiple titles. Like you feel like that's lazy, like some kind of lazy filmmaking or something <laughs> like that, 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 that. If it's a really a truly good movie, it should have a good title from the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah. Give me give me some examples of what you mean uh, so I can follow.
2: I just feel like you've said that a lot. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I I felt like times when there have been multiple titles for a film, you've been disappointed by that. I could be wrong. Oh, I, I know that um, we've talked about, obviously, uh, Edge of Tomorrow a lot. Yeah. probably don't need to get into that one again. Okay. Um, But it's been interesting. And looking at all these shark movies, all of them have multiple titles, it seems like. I mean, I already talked about Snow Sharks, a.k.a. Avalanche Sharks. But here's something crazy. Mm-hmm two movies came out in the deep, right? There was a movie that was in, when in production, it was called in the deep, but it, um, it is now entitled the shallows. Right. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Then there was a movie that just came out called 47 meters down, Mm -hmm. but it had a DVD release under the title in the deep. Yes. (laughs) Then there's actually a movie called in the deep. But then that one has a subtitle Trapped Sisters, but not everywhere, only sometimes. I mean it's just very confusing to me. <laughs> like what's going on with all these movies? Well then there's the then there's the movie Cage Dive. Oh sorry, twelve feet deep. I twelve feet
1: it. deep. Uh, but and the reason by the way that I was so like belligerent about getting the Trapped Sisters on there on the title card of the film, at least in the American release of it that I had access to see, like streaming on Amazon. Yeah. And, and, on the title card it does say 12 feet deep trapped sisters oh i see yeah but go ahead go ahead
2: it's just and then the movie as i mentioned cage dive is being retitled open water three cage dive it's just weird like all of these movies have had so many titles and they're all so similar Mm -hmm. you know 12 feet deep and 47 meters down is already confusing yeah let alone that all of them we're called in the deep essentially at some point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. And uh, what what is like doubly hilarious about that is um, the fact that in the deep, deep became the shallows, which is not deep, obviously. <laughs> so that's funny to me, too. But uh, I, I think it's apparent that all of that is um, marketing related, probably, right? What they thought would sell best. They probably did tests on the titles to see what was most appealing to people,
2: When I was also looking to see what was available streaming, I saw, oh, The Reef is on Netflix. Perfect. But that is an animated cartoon.
1: (laughs) Oh, darn it. (laughs) Yes. Well, there you have it then. So, Josh, I think that uh, just about wraps up our... uh... volume one episode of shark attack uh the lizards can let us know if you dug this if it was fun and if you liked it then maybe we'll do a volume two next year that could be a good time and if these shark movies keep making money i mean i I think we're always going to have shark movies don't you think we'll have shark horror movies yeah. I'm
2: assuming so. I hope we get another really great one. You know, I think we've had some good ones. And mm-hmm. maybe next year, since we'll have probably covered all the big ones by the end of the next episode, if we do another episode, mm-hmm. um, we
1: can do like a top ten list or top five list or something like that. But For sure. Absolutely. I agree with you. So before we wrap it all up here, I think we should promote our um, next two upcoming episodes because things are getting very serious around here do you want to do the honors josh
2: oh no go for it because i'm not sure what they are
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay well in preparation for the dark tower (laughs) which is coming out right at the beginning of august of course a horror movie podcast will be doing our own horror angled review on this but in order to prepare and lead up to that uh, we're going to be bringing you two episodes of our uh, Stephen King filmography reviews basically so we're going to yeah. break it in half chronologically so we're going to do the first half of the, the the films that have been adapted from Stephen King's works and then and then the next episode following that will be the latter half and and we will crown that episode with our review of The Dark Tower I honestly don't know how we're going to fit all that into two episodes it might end up being like 27 episodes. So
2: (laughs) I think we'll probably handle it like we did the 80s slashers where Mm -hmm. we'll go through them chronologically, name check a lot of them, but then each of us will bring one film to feature review.
1: Right. Yeah. It won't be like in depth on every single Stephen King film, just so people out there are aware. So you know what to expect. So we don't want people to be disappointed. But yeah, that's how we'll approach it. And also Wolfman, Josh, I believe there is going to be a pretty gigantic uh, Dark Tower related movie podcast network special features episode for those who are patrons and subscribed.
2: Yeah, I believe so. I, I I'm not involved with that one either, but I think there we have several hosts on the network who are huge Dark Tower fans and have read the books, and they're going to be talking about the books. Also, I believe is a lead up to the film. So I don't think they will be reviewing the actual movie there. They're going to be
1: talking mostly about the books mm-hmm. in those
2: in that episode. But it should be a good time for the hardcore Dark Tower fans, which there are a lot of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I also know that I, I think the horror community has been waiting for this. These uh, Stephen King coverage so uh, I'm excited that we're going to be bringing those up next, too. And it, it's really weird. My little tiny local library here out in the middle of nowhere where I am, they actually have about like six or seven Stephen King films, uh, the, the more obscure ones, too. And I think that's super awesome. So anyway. well, I
2: also want to tell people, you know, we might not cover all the films on that episode, but like we did with Cujo on the Killer Animals film. Um, we'll we'll probably incorporate other Stephen King movies in the future in different themed episodes and configurations, even if we don't have them necessarily featured on this episode, we'll talk about all of them.
1: That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We should definitely at least name drop all of them. So, you know, we're getting the whole list out there for people. I'm sure our listeners are all
2: of the major ones will get reviewed at some point in depth. And we've, we've covered several in the past. as
1: well. Yeah. I mean, I think probably reviewed like Cujo like six times on this podcast already. (laughs) I, I can't help it. It's, it's incredible to me. Anyways, I think that just about wraps up episode 122 of Horror Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this shark show. And um, as for you, Wolfman Jaws, Josh, tell the listeners where they can catch up with more of your work.
2: You can find me at Movies, Streamcast.com, UniversalMonstersCast.com. Um, I do want to plug one cool thing. It's from Mondo, and they are releasing an amazing Jaws soundtrack music from the motion picture on two LPs composed and conducted by John Williams. And then they've got new artwork for it. That's just awesome. It's on this blue vinyl and it's really cool. You can buy it right now for $35. I pre-ordered mine already. I recommend you do the same and uh, you can see the artwork at mondotees.com. It It's awesome. It's really cool. And they have posters as well. If you, aren't a vinyl collector they have posters with their unique artwork for Mm -hmm. sale that are all they're all limited and and hand printed on screens and really cool stuff
1: so sweet that sounds great actually yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, on
2: Universal Monsters cast, we are now going through, you know, obviously we talked about The Mummy 2017. We are going through and talking about basically every other Mummy movie. And then we've decided to split up the episodes because they are kind of random on Universal Monsters cast. We've decided to split them into seasons. So season one will be um news but then also all the mummy movie stuff and then we'll kind of go into season two which will be based around the next release which as far as we know now is going to be bride of frankenstein but um we'll probably know more by the time we get to it but we just did the mummy 1932 which should be posted by the time you hear this episode then we're doing all the hammer mummy movies in one episode Then we're making our way through the rest of the Universal Mummy filmography. Then we're doing another episode about all the other non-Universal Mummy movies that are out there. All the Mm -hmm. crazy stuff. Then we're doing all the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies. So it's going to be Mummy Overload for a while at Universal Monsters cast. But um, a lot of fun. We're having a good time going through the classics.
1: Well, and I just want to say, and this is the honest truth, uh, the Universal Monsters cast... That's one of my favorite podcasts on this network. I think you guys do such a good job over there. I am very impressed with that show, Josh. So, um, well done. You know, shout outs to the the Gill Man, uh, Joel Robertson, and uh, the Wolf Man, and uh, Dr. Shock. It's a fantastic show. So, listeners, if you love horror and you haven't checked out Universal Monsters Cast, that's a must. And um, I I hope you do. So,
2: anyway, We tried out a new guest host on this last episode called the bride and we'll just leave it at that and you, can, <laughs> <laughs>
3: you, you
2: can hear her over at universal Mhm.
3: yeah
1: and she's great too all right, then. And, and I hope that people will um, j- make sure you've heard uh, the previous episode to this, episode 121. It will not have gotten a lot of airtime before the release of this. And that's, again, my fault. But we we got to get this episode 122 out there before the 18th so other people can join my son and me at Fathom <laughs> Events for the Shark Week Highlights Josh maybe we should maybe we should do that do you want to you want to meet up with us and we'll take a cuz that'll probably be playing in theaters down in your neck of the woods maybe Yeah
2: I'd be willing to do that I think my, my kids would like that okay. we could do a, we could
1: even do a special features with them maybe oh now I don't, you're prom- talk- I don't want to
2: promise that just in case it doesn't work out but i'm i'm very open to it so uh,
1: okay watch. all right let's try to get that to happen i'm excited right. about that
3: yeah me and,
1: too and um and then i'll just say again if people haven't heard the <laughs> trojan horses at the gates of horror honestly and josh i'll tell you this the written form is much better than the verbal form so anyway okay. <laughs> if you can get through it
2: looking forward to it I can't wait to hear
1: it I bet I bet so uh, thank you and uh, people check out movie podcast weekly geek cast live podcast retro movie geek you already said um, movie stream cast and universal monsters cast we also have the sci-fi podcast another one of my favorites uh, coming up pretty soon we got comedy movie podcast and we also have we deal in lead that western podcast and um, we're gonna get eaten by sharks for this I, I have a feeling <laughs> I hope that never happens to me, Josh. Like, I have always said that if there's a a real Jurassic Park ever, I will go there. And if I get eaten by a T-Rex or something, then it'd be like, good. You know, you got to go somehow. That's a hardcore (laughs) way to go. I would love to be eaten by a T-Rex. I know that sounds really stupid. but if I told
2: my wife just this week I would love to be eaten by a shark. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, uh, if you're going to die, we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. you want to die in a bed or do you want to die eaten by a shark? Give me a shark any day of the week.
1: No, well and that's funny you said it because i was just about to say i'll take a t-rex any day but i never want to be eaten by a shark i would rather die peacefully asleep in my bed but since i'm well, always
2: tell- go ahead just a minor spoiler for dark tide it's actually a major spoiler uh one of the guy who wants to go out and swim with the sharks has cancer and is going to die in three months so if I'm that guy, give me shark attack for sure. That's so much more interesting. I mean, you're going to die a miserable death from cancer. You might as well die a miserable death from a shark. It's pretty quick, right? right? Yeah, I much mean,
1: quicker. I mean, I'm sure that's excruciating in the moment, but it's probably way. pretty short.
2: Either way is awful, but yeah. one's a lot faster than the other.
1: That's true. That's true. Well, we have very uplifting conversations here on Horror Movie Podcasts. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's really glad they stuck around through this. But anyways.
2: <laughs> I said at the end of our Horror Pets episode, not all themed episodes are created equally. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes we swing and sometimes we miss. And, uh, you know, people love that episode. Maybe one of our most popular of all time. So maybe they'll love this too, despite... You know, it's seeming to me like this was a real failure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like, I, yeah, I felt like it went downhill after Dr. Shock left. But, you know, what What can we do?
2: I don't know. <laughs> Nothing to do. But, but keep on keeping
1: on. That's right.
2: And the only other thing I wanted to plug is that we are having a big movie podcast network meetup for our listeners and for the hosts in October of this year, 2017, October 14th to be precise. We're going to be holding that in Salt Lake City, Utah. Woo woo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our our tickets are $35 or $30 if you're one of the Movie Podcast Network patrons. We appreciate your patronage at patreon.com. Um, $35 tickets, that gets you entrance to the event, which is going to be a movie screening and then followed by a live podcast with some of the Hosts of the Movie Podcast Network. Nice. Definitely you and I are going to be there. Maybe Dave.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hoping to come.
2: We're going to have a big spread of, uh, I think, everybody from the Sci Fi podcast most everyone from movie podcast weekly so there's gonna be a lot of our folks out there Mm -hmm. i think geekcast live is the only podcast that will not be represented this year
1: yeah
2: but other than that all the other podcasts there will be at least one person there and in most cases many people there (laughs) yes And it should be a good time. And then yeah, those are only official events, but happening also that day. And around that time, we'll be doing a lot of other fun things. Like I think we're all going to go out to dinner Mm -hmm. after the screening. And uh, I know that some people are planning little field trips of fun things to do in Salt Lake City. Some people are going to go see another movie directly after. So (laughs) it should be a lot of fun. And uh, everyone's just going to be hanging out. So come visit us in Salt Lake City, October 14th. You can find our tickets at indiegogo.com and the reason we're doing an indiegogo which is a traditionally a crowdfunding platform is just basically so we can pre-sell those tickets at no risk to us and no additional cost to you Mm -hmm. and at each level that we fund it we will be getting a venue appropriate to the number of people in the audience so that we don't have to kind of go out on a limb since this is kind of our first time doing it this way Mm -hmm. and only the second official meetup ever Um, We just are not sure exactly how many people are coming out, but um, this will be fun to gauge. And then going forward, we can always build bigger and better. If uh, the turnout is good, we'd love to see you.
1: That's right. And I'm so excited about it. I just want to say one quick thing, too. Um, If you're here, you know, the the official, the big meetup stuff is on that Saturday, October 14th. But if you're here on Friday, the 13th, which is um, (laughs) which is. Isn't that Dr. Shock's birthday? If I'm it's not mistaken. Dave's birthday. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Dave's birthday. And I think Is it Kagan's too? It's someone else's in our oh, audience. Yeah, maybe so. But but yeah, if you're here that day, I, I'm sure we're going to have other things going on just for fun, like casual, non, unofficial plans. But I will be seeing movies that day. I'm certain about that because I have homework for Movie Podcast Weekly anyway. So if you want to come, come to a movie with with me you're welcome to everybody if you're yeah. gonna be in town i'd love it yeah
2: lots of fun stuff definitely come out and visit us
1: we love your comments so please get involved in the horror movie podcast community if you're not already you can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode episode 122 at horror or you can email us at horror at at gmail.com And if you call and leave us a voicemail, that number is 801-382-8789. We would love to hear from you. You can find all of our episodes, all 122 of them, as well as our prior installments or the previous incarnations of this show, including the weekly Horror Movie Podcast and Horror Metropolis at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. You can subscribe free in iTunes and follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. We're also on Instagram. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com. We'd also like to thank Kagan Breitenbach for his orchestration that he did of uh, Fred's theme there, which is amazing. So you can find Kagan's work at KaganBreitenbach.com. Those will be linked in the show notes as well. And I think that's it for episode 122. We thank you for listening and join us again for Horror Movie Podcast,
3: where we're dead serious about horror movies.